What's up, everybody? Welcome back to I Came With Fire podcast. Tonight, we're here with a very special guest, somebody I had been wanting to talk to for a while, Mr. Chuck Zukowski. Uh, Chuck, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for everybody? Because to me, you're kind of an icon, but uh, you know, I want everybody to know who you are. Well, I mean, you've been trying for years. I kept saying, no, not now, not now. You're right. Like, You're right. I know. Finally. Said, okay, today's the day. <laughs> exactly. Fill you um, in the backstory later. So I'm Chuck, and, and I've been doing this for about 35 years now. I I host uh, UFONut.com. That's my website. People ask me, why UFONut? Well, it's because when I first started doing this, people were calling me a nut, basically. And, and so instead of uh, getting all mad about it, I decided to go ahead and roll with it. So uh, UFO net, and it's actually an acronym too now. And I keep forgetting the acronym because I had to make it up. Unconventional flying objects, non-human, unrecognizable technology. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So I've been at it for a while. Uh, started off uh, being a Roswell investigator. I lived in California and uh, started doing that. And then as I got more and more interested in, in ufology and more in investigations, and and especially with my blog, you know, being out there, then I started getting picked up on some TV shows to do, you know, certain investigations. So I've been on mm-hmm. Ghost Adventures and Finding Bigfoot and, oh, and yeah. yeah, a few other ones. And then in 2019, I got my own TV show, Alien Highway. Yeah. But, um, yes. But right before that, <clears throat> um uh, a book was written about me called The 37th Parallel, and that was based on my theory. That's a whole other story I could tell you. I, I, I could shorten it real quick, but it's, it's pretty It's cool. a good book. Oh, it's you a actually good book. read it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, most people say they actually read it until I say, what do you think about the ending? They go, oh, it was really good. And I know they're lying. <laughs> well, they didn't read it. <laughs> right. Well, everything everything all redacted out and, and all that, you know. So I, I saw um, – I was reading just like people talking about you on some forums online. And a lot of people were like, man, I started reading that Ben Mesrick book about him. And then I got to the end and I was like, what the heck? I can't even finish this thing. All this stuff is redacted. You know, it's like, well, you know, there must be something out there. The government doesn't want us to know because, you know, they wouldn't do it otherwise. Well, well you know, the, the, the interesting thing is, is with books, a lot of times there's an ending, but there's no ending to this book because right. I'm alive. I didn't die. You know, sure. and I'm still doing the sure. same thing I was doing before. Um, for those people who who read 37th Parallel and wondering about the ending, Ben Mesrick actually came up with that um, ending. We were at the time I was alluding to uh, Robert Bigelow, the billionaire. Mm-hmm. This was before we found out in 2017 that he was working with the Pentagon, but I knew he was working with the government. I thought it was the CIA, maybe the NSA, but you know, I knew he was working with the government because I had enough evidence makes sense but um so you know i i have a few hundred dollars but and he has <laughs> millions so i'm not gonna get mad at me you know yeah i'm not gonna piss him off so we redacted some of that stuff and then some other stuff um uh, he redacted it was just you know uh craft sightings i had but um, mm-hmm. i think we did it more to lead people reading at the very end that you know that's still a mystery right you know, that, that there's no conclusion to this even now with the Pentagon involved, we still don't have a conclusion. It's still a mystery. So I Definitely. think that's probably wanted to leave it open. What's right. interesting about your book is uh, I listen to audiobooks mostly. I usually don't tend to read, so I listen while I'm driving. And when you get to the redacted parts, 
it's just someone saying redacted over and over and over again. It's not like weird. It's just redacted, redacted. Yeah, you know, so. I think it was weird because I think Ben Mesrick himself actually did the he, reading on that. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And I wish it was somebody. I mean, I was on a on a radio show out of Australia uh, just after the book came out. And, you know, there was a couple of hosts like you. And uh, one read part of the first chapter and okay. with his accent and his enthusiasm. And I'm going, God, I wish he would have done the audio because this guy, you know, really put it in there. Right. Uh, and, and, and especially with the Australian accent, it sounded pretty cool. But it um, cool. yeah, it, it, it was kind of fun. Good idea. Uh, the whole premise <laughs> of the book actually was based on a theory I had. I was on Unexplained Files season one mm-hmm. uh, on a couple of their episodes doing stuff on cattle mutilations and UFOs. And then, um, I'm yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was unexplained files, but it was uh, the Science Channel. And then uh, the second season, they called me. They said, "Hey, towards the end of your cattle mute segment on the first season, you mentioned this thirty-seven parallel thing. What's all that about?" And I said, "Well, it's a theory I have, and I have data." They go, well, "Can you send us the data?" So I just inundated them with all this data, just downloaded all this stuff. They called me back in about a week and said, "Hey, you want your own episode?" I'm like, "Huh." <laughs> yeah, of course. You know? Yeah, right. So it was really cool. So um, it was called, you know, Paranormal Highway Across America. And mm-hmm. the neat thing was, is they kind of let me do what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do the show. And it worked out pretty well because it's the show kind of looks like, you know, it, it is really running. I'm, I'm running investigations, talking to real people, mm-hmm. nothing scripted. The first time I start interviewing them is, is, is basically, you know, was in the show. Well, yeah. Both Flynn from Flynn Pictures Productions, who does all the Dwayne Johnson, people don't know who he is, he's The Rock, he yep. does all his movies, you know, Jungle Book and all that stuff. He saw he saw that episode and he emailed me and, and, and then called me and says, hey, this looks like it'd be kind of cool for a movie. I'm going, what? Mm-hmm. He goes, yeah, we could do a movie on this. But uh, first, I'm going to bring in Ben Meserich to write the book about it and then we're going to write a script from the book i'm going that's kind of weird but okay you know the cart before the horse and that's what happened so that's how i met ben mesrick he wrote the book um and then uh, he said it in simon schuster it was supposed to come out during the summertime but they liked it so much they said no we want this to be a big book write two more chapters and we're going to release it during the holiday season and so he wrote two more chapters and when he he released the, just just the the, uh, the the basics before I went to the book. I whatever they call it, the pre book stuff. That anyway, mm-hmm. um, New Line Cinema read it, picked it up, and then uh, so they picked up the life rights and the, the rights to the book, basically. Yeah. So um, that's pretty cool. Now they wrote a script. The script was written. It was ready, and then COVID hit, and that was pretty much the end of that. Yeah. And then they were just talking about it again about a month or so ago. And then now there's an actor's strike and a writer's strike and everything's getting pushed off again. So maybe by the time I'm 90, I might see yeah. that. I was going to say they could get the the rock to play Chuck Zukowski, right? As, as oh, yeah, played yeah. by Dwayne Johnson. My a little bit more. But, yeah, right. <laughs> Look, <laughs> exactly the same. Right. <laughs> the rock, the rock Zukowski. Yeah. And it was pretty cool. Well, one of the, I was, um, when I, I did a couple episodes uh, for the Sci-Fi Channel, which was the Unexplained Files, um, wait, I had that back. That was a Science Channel. Sci-Fi was um, anyway, whatever it was. Um, mm-hmm. 
they sent me to um, Comic-Con in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And uh, early in the morning, I went to the gym in the hotel. They put me in, and Lou Ferrigno's over just, just to the left oh, side of me working out. I'm going, oh, it's the Hulk, the original Hulk. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And, and it kind of made me want to push the weight just a little harder that morning. Yeah. yeah. That's you know, a good inspiration in the gym. Giant guy that works, he's 6'6 six, six or something. But yeah, that yeah, was kind of fun. That's awesome. So it's interesting you bring up Robert Bigelow because um, I actually think it may have been him who was the first time I heard your name mentioned um, talking about you uh, on another podcast. And he essentially brought up your work with cattle mutilation and was discussing in reference to um, Skinwalker Ranch. And because um, there's I feel like there's some ties between some of the cattle mutilations that have happened there and then all of the others that you've been to, mostly in Colorado. Um, but have you actually worked with or talked to Robert Bigelow to like where you guys have had a joint venture together and anything he's done as far as investigating and going into the cattle mutilations? So he was talking about me? I believe so. Oh, OK. Wow. Well, I'm impressed that someone like that was talking about me. Um, no, I've, you know, I've dealt with him very briefly when I was with mm-hmm. MoveCon. I was on the star team and he was actually funding the star team. Mm-hmm. And that's when I f- kind of figured out that he wasn't really funding the star team, that somebody else was funding the star team. And he was just a middleman. He was mm-hmm. kind of like just funding the money from one place to the other. And I did enough of my own you know, private detective work outside of the apology. And I actually found evidence that that was true. So, Mm -hmm. um, and then I confronted the head of MUFON at the time. um, And, uh, and then he acknowledged it, but we were just one-on-one. And then since then, you know, he's acknowledged publicly, but um, you know, I I came to him with the evidence. I'm going, yeah, so well, Bigelow, who is he working for? And Mm because he's definitely not doing it for MUFON. He's doing it for himself and for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So that may have got back to him, but um, and then afterwards, you know, like I said, when we were writing the book, you know, I don't want to, I didn't want to step on any legalities. So I, you know, I was talking to uh, to Ben Mezrick. I said, you know, just kind of, you know, tread lightly when you talk about Bigelow. But the cool thing was, is he actually Ben Mezrick interviewed Robert Bigelow's attorney mm-hmm. on the East Coast. And he found out a lot of cool stuff that oh. that I, you know, that I just assumed maybe, and it turned mm-hmm. out to be true. So it was pretty cool. But as for, you know, Skinwalker Ranch, okay, I, we've got mm-hmm. one forty miles away from my house, right over here in Colorado, right. Yeah. And then, oh, actually, there's two out of here. Um, and then, then we have the San Luis Valley. Then you have the Bradford Ranch, and in, in uh, you know, in Arizona near Sedona. So there are places like that all over the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I can talk about that a little bit later if you want to kind of have an idea Absolutely. how to find them. But um, it's just it's yeah. just those places that, you know, there's just a lot of activity. And I think I know why now, or maybe I'm guessing why. Just, you know, theorizing, looking at the data, and looking to see what's around the area. But, it's, it's, but with Alien Highway, one of our episodes was outside of the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. Mm-hmm. And we were a couple of miles away and we could, there, we were experiencing a lot of stuff. And then when I interviewed a neighbor, like the house right next to the ranch, because I've been out here 10 years, I haven't seen anything. You know, I'm like, wow. 
yeah, it's kind of weird, you know. But um, but that whole area where the Skinwalker Ranch is, it's hot. So, you know, for people out there that are watching this, you don't need to go to the Skinwalker Ranch. You don't need to be in the ranch. You know, mm-hmm. you can be in that general area. Mm-hmm. So the one red flag, and you guys are probably, you know, uh, you know, be a red flag for you guys too, being in the military or former military. Um, the Skinwalker Ranch's security cameras were pointed out. Okay, mm-hmm. but I just would assume. Um, you know, um, I walked up to the West Gate of Area Fifty One years ago. Their cameras, very high tech cameras, were pointed out. The Bradshaw Ranch in Sedona, the cameras were pointed in. What does that tell you? Hmm. <laughs> it's not so that much who's on the outside; it's what's going on in the inside. Now that's what right. I was going to. That's what I was going to expect to see with mm-hmm. the Skinwalker Ranch that I did. Every fifty-one made sense, you know. Yeah. But you know, if you got something that hot, you'd have cameras pointed on the inside to see what's going on. Oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, we. I mean, I've protected quite a few things protected by fencing. And um, there are definitely cameras that point out because you're wanting to keep people out. But uh, there's plenty of cameras facing the thing that you're keeping safe. Just put it that way. So Exactly. Or, right. So. Exactly. And that's what I was expecting to see. But I was a little disappointed. And the cameras I have in my house here for security cameras were more advanced than what they had at the Skinwalker Ranch. That's kind of weird. That's definitely yeah, not what I would expect. <laughs> yeah. Because it gets so much notoriety. You know, you... You're like I brought it up right in this this podcast episode, but it's when you talk about these sorts of things, you know, that's the first thing that gets mentioned, in, and it's the first. It's one of the things that's mentioned in Ben Mesrick's book too. It talks about that incident where with the um, shape shifting you know creature that everybody reported there that talking about Robert Bigelow reading his file on it. Um, it's just just a, a lot of weird different things that that seem to occur there. And I like that you said that, you know, you're kind of putting this all together because that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you. It's kind of hard to make this into a science, I feel like, because, I, you know, there's probably not a lot of people that do what you do. But where you may have in, in through your journey, where you may be going as far as like a, a theory, you know, and that's something that I wanted to ask you. Well, the, the shapeshifters, I mean, we've had that. We've seen that out here in Colorado, in El Paso County, where I live. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, really? near the area where I just mentioned maybe 30 miles, not 40 miles. Mm-hmm. Interesting thing happened there a couple of months ago, or a month and a half ago, I can tell you about it. It had nothing to do with yeah, it. What happened? <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, if it's funny, I'm ready. Oh, okay. This. okay so, personal story? Yeah, a couple of years ago, I, I we traded in my my uh, Ultra Limited Harley for a trike. Oh, so I have a, a triglide. And the reason mm-hmm. why I wanted to go to triglide, because out here in Colorado, there's a lot of dirt roads, a lot of okay. county roads and places that you can get to ghost towns and whatever. And you can't do that really that do that with your wife on the back on a two wheeler, especially mm-hmm. in Harley because they're so torquey. So we got a trike. And and so about a month and a half ago, I was researching we had there's a um uh, an empty missile base mm-hmm. um that's right in the area where it's our Skinwalker Ranch, where yeah. the act, there's a lot of activity. So okay. we were headed out that way. <laughs> we were headed out that way just to see if I could find it. I forgot the GPS coordinates at home. I go, oh, you know what, just let's see if I can find it. I was pretty close. It came pretty close to it from what I think it was because I saw some fenced-off area, but I wasn't too sure. And I, my wife says, well, we should get going because we have to get back. I said, okay. So we're going down the highway, 
<clears throat> and I said, well, we can cut across this county road, dirt road, because we have a trike, right? And then we can make the other highway and catch, you know, make up a half hour. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So we're going down the, <laughs> we're going down this county road. And it's what I thought was a cow in front of us. To the left, it turned out to be a black Angus bull. Now, he didn't mm-hmm. have horns. He was a, he was young, but he's still about 11, 1,200 pounds. And I, and I, I real slowly went around because I've dealt with cows a lot of times being a mutilation mm-hmm. investigator. And I know you don't. You don't go by them too fast because if you scare them, you can hurt them because yeah. they can panic or you don't want to, you know, make them aggressive. So I'm going by kind of slow and that son of a gun charged me. Oh. Okay, right. <laughs> and, oh, and so, he challenged me. And so <laughs> I, I, I gunned, I gunned the, uh, the, the bike and, and I got fast enough that he couldn't hit me head on. So he body slammed me. He, he did a hockey check. Holy cow. And, and my bike. Did is, your bike. Well, my bike's 1,200 pounds, and I'm okay. almost 200 pounds. So right there, we're looking at, you know, 1,400 pounds. Yeah. But, you know, and my wife's on the back, but I could feel his stomach hit my thigh, you know. Mm. And what, it ha- what happened was is that was fine, but his back legs kicked kicked up and then damaged my left rear fender and broke the taillight and stuff. Um, but what was interesting about and then we got, you know, I just blew off after that. Yeah. But mm. um, it was interesting talking to the insurance company. Uh, I'm doing a claim on it, and uh, I said, "Well, I I was hockey checked by a bull." And I'm going right. an animal. I go a, a bull. I go yeah, <laughs> a bull. Kind of interesting since I'm a cattle mutilation yeah. investigator, and, and right. here what cow kind of attacks me. But what's even funnier was it became a um, comprehensive only a hundred dollars off because it was a farm animal. Oh, oh my you know, god! It was a car would have been five six hundred dollar deductibles. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, that works out. Yeah, so you know, um, every now and then you have one of those interesting things. It's non-paranormal. I got a shitload of stuff that's that happened to me paranormal-wise. Um, yeah. That you know, I could talk about. But, you know, when you have there's there's things exciting in life that happens to you, and you know, you and you brush it off. Yeah, we got hit by a bull. Yeah, it damaged the bike. But what a great story! You know? <laughs> for sure, absolutely. It's like when, when uh, you get that water buffalo in Kenya. I was just about thing. to say, was that yeah. Zach and I were? Oh yeah. Zach and I were deployed together in Kenya, and he hit a water buffalo with his Humvee. I'll let you tell it, Zach, because yeah, you were there. So, so I don't know if Brandon knew this, but there was an unofficial lap time in the camp. So there was, yeah. there was, a, there was a, a route around the camp, and there was a certain Humvee that was a little less heavy than the other ones. So if you ever got that Humvee, you could go faster. So nice. I may or may not have been trying to get the unofficial record. And uh, it's like really dark out and uh, you're supposed to like drive with like your, like, you know, all your lights on so you don't, you know, express yourself and stuff. So I'm just, I'm coasting and uh, my gunner, Obi, uh, he last second tells me, he's like, oh, watch out. And this water buffalo just like looks left, like his head comes into the lane and he's got big old horns and everything, right? And just, it just smacked the right side of the Humvee, destroyed the whole front like quarter of the Humvee, the headlight was gone, everything was gone, and I remember it was stopped. Yeah, the Humvee was messed up by that water buffalo, but I got mm-hmm. it. And I'm like looking at this water buffalo, and it's like necks all contorted weird, and it's kind of like walking funny, and I was like, ah, oh, dang, like I hurt that water buffalo, because I probably hit it at like 55, 60, maybe 65 oh my miles. God. Yeah. That's and wild that, in a Humvee, man. Yeah. 
And must have felt like you were re-entering the atmosphere. Seriously. So, so you didn't like... have the explosive armor on it. That would have been even more cool. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Steak, steaks for everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But steaks this... for everybody. <laughs> yeah. this, uh, this water buffalo, though, he, like, snorted at me. But he, I could tell, like, he was not so right. aggressive. Like, I, was not... I hit him hard enough so where he's, he was not feeling it. And uh, he he walked off and then... I called it in, and then we brought the Humvee back and swapped it. But I, I remember talking to the like the Kenyan Navy guys that we worked with like a couple days later, and I was like, "Hey, did you guys come across like a dead water buffalo somewhere?" Or anything? And they did. So that water buffalo died. They said they found it like in a field, like a little further away from camp, and they knew it was oh. that one because it had a big old dent in its horn. And- oh man! <laughs> Some camo paint transfer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so. Man. I remember, I remember, uh, I remember, like, uh, we're we're getting, like, driving back with Obi and Mitchell, and uh, I looked at them, and I was like, we were going, like, 20 miles an hour, right? And the water buffalo just came out of nowhere, and they're like, yeah, Sergeant Smith. I was like, okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that could get you in trouble. Uh, Both my sons are military. One's regular army, and he's in Japan right now, and the other one's Colorado Guard. He's a first sergeant. Uh, MP out here to guard, and mm, and every now and then you know, and they were both been deployed a couple three times. Yeah. But um, some of the stories that I hear from them, kind of, you guys got some great stories too. I know because when they sit down telling stories, I'm going, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and they're not war stories; they're just stories. Well, oh yeah. yeah. You know, it, outside of that, it's it's pretty cool. If In there's dumb stuff that'll happen, we'll fi- we'll find it. We will find yep. it, and it'll happen around us. Absolutely, yep. yeah. We're good <laughs> at that. Like, sounds like with me, you know. So sometimes, you know, I just be right. in the area, and, and the shit hits the fan, and and right. uh, and, and there you are. You're just kind of like stuck in the middle of something going on. Yeah, that Oops. happened a couple of times with Alien Highway. We just, you know, looked out. So, how do you decide which one of these are you going to actually investigate, and how many like calls or whatever do you get where you're like? That doesn't really sound like something I want to go out to. Well, and that's a really, really good question. I'm glad you asked that because I, I never get asked that. And it's, it's really, it, it's a good question because, you know, everything that I do comes out of pocket. Mm-hmm. And and I work full time and I see, I'm an IC mass design engineer. So I'm a graphics designer designing microchips. And right. I'm a consultant because 20 years ago when I was salaried, um, I had issues trying to get away from the job to run some investigations, you know, with management. Oh, you can't leave now. It's oh, five sure. o'clock. But yeah. there was a ventilation, you know. <laughs> I don't care. You know. Right. Yeah, I don't care. So right. I decided to, you know. Didn't so going to make microchips for me? No, go back to work. Yeah, exactly. So um, so I, uh, I, I went as an S-Corp, and then I was spending so much money on uh, – on on the UFO stuff that that the account that I'm using for the S corp says you should get, turn your your website into an LLC under your S corp and you can start deducting all your equipment. And I'm going, why didn't I think of that? You know, my okay. God. And so I mean, so basically, when so when you get these um, people asking me to to do an investigation, there's a couple different things. First, first off, is it something that I can do that's in the vicinity? You know, mm-hmm. is it in the state of Colorado? How many hours is it away? You know, um, can I break away from work? You know, what's our work level right now? Is it really important to be able to break away from work? Because if I don't work, I don't get paid. 
mm-hmm. because I'm, you know, because, you know, I'm a contractor. If I don't show up on Tuesday, I don't get paid for Tuesday. Right. So, um, so, you know, that kind of goes through your mind, but then you're also looking at the event itself. And, you know, I don't, I, I never turn out a cattle mutilation investigation. The, the ones that I kind of have a tendency of turning down are abductions. And I never used to do that. At first, I was working with a lot of abduction cases. And then they started to get kind of uh, a liability involved, you know, because, um, you know, if a person actually believes they are abducted and they contact me and said, you know, I've got abducted, I got these marks and that, is there any way you can check this out? And, you know, I, I mean, I've had people say, you know, yeah, you know, it's over here by my bikini line and I'll show you. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm married. I don't want to, you know, but <laughs> kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <But, laughs> You've got to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Be yeah. On the other side of that door, she's probably listening. Yeah. yeah. I've been in love with the same woman for 42 years. Just don't tell my wife. So basically. <laughs> you got it. So basically, um, you know, then you run into those issues, but, but the other, but the main liability is, is if someone actually experienced not a, not a paranormal, but, but something else and it's mm-hmm. affected them physically and mentally. And you come in, you're not a doctor, you're not a psychiatrist. I mean, it's, you're, you're very liable for, you know, for making suggestions and, you know, what they should and shouldn't do. So yeah. now, you know, what I do when someone says, you know, I, I believe I've been abducted, I said, well, true abduction cases, the alien takes you. If the mm-hmm. alien's taken you, then they've done something physically to you. First thing you got to do, you have to go see your doctor. You have to have a complete blood, you know, complete exam, yeah. you know, a blood analysis and your analysis too. And um, if you're having problems with visions or things happening, then you, you you need to see a psychiatrist to make sure that's taken care of. You know, the best all I can do is come down and 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 see if I find any evidence that proves that something happened there. There's mm-hmm. not too much I can really do with with the abductee. Before, back in the day, we would say, "Yeah, do this, do that, do this, but that." But then, over the years, people became Sue happy. You know, and. Okay. Uh, it's really sad, but you know. So now you, there's a big liability involved. Uh, but what were some of the things that you guys back in the day, like you said, would would tell people to do that you are weary of now? Well, I mean, you know, I mean things, things that maybe a psychologist should tell you. Okay. You know. Okay. Which, which is, you know, I'm not a psychologist. Yeah, I took psych in college, but you know, two semesters, big deal, right? Right. So, um, and I, you know, I kind of think about. You know, some of the things I used to say, which I really wasn't qualified to say. And, so worried about and, boring on like medical advice. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so I, I realized I said, I can't go there, but mm. I can still be an investigator. I can still investigate the area. I can look for high EMFs. I can look for, you know, anything that's unusual, markings on the ground, markings on the side of the house, you know, stuff like that. Um Anything, you know, animals nearby are affected. You know, there's a lot more that you can do rather than just dealing with the abductee themselves. A person, that's a person. So, you know, you have to, you know, right. we have to make sure that they stay healthy. I'm starting to running. To, I'm starting to run into that now with cattle mutilations because the last few, well, last few, like the last five years, um, some of the ranchers have been sick. Um, mm. especially the ones that get too close to the animal, touch the animal. A uh, couple of ranchers, they, you know, they're armed. 
that they've lost feelings in, in, in the hand and the arm that they touched the animal with got all tingly. Weird. Another case, a, a dog almost died because it was, you know, it was in the, in, in the flesh kind of, no gnawing on the flesh and it nearly right. died and they brought him back to health. Another case just recently um, in April of this year in Oregon, there was a mutilation case. And I always ask them now, because I've been doing this for so long that, you know, how do you feel? How mm-hmm. are you affected? Are you feeling okay? Is everything okay with you health wise, you know, and mentally and both him and his wife were having headaches. Uh, not before, but afterwards. Yeah. So, and there's a theory to that too. So, um, so that's about as far as I go. And then I, so then when I, when they say yes, then I say, okay, you really need to talk to your doctor. You need to make an appointment. You need to, to make sure that you're not affected physically long term. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird because when I do get animal mutilations and I talk to the ranchers, you know, after I get all the initial information I want, then I kind of say, okay, now here's something off the wall. Within the past week or two or or even 30 days before the mutilation, did you see anything unusual on your right. property? Anything strange, like lights, balls mm-hmm. of light? And you'd be surprised. I would probably say eight out of ten have. That's so, wild. Yeah, it's wild. So yeah. they, they do see strange lights and balls of light, uh, so, which are directly connected to the mutilations. Are these illnesses that people are describing to you, do you think it's from like high levels of exposure to radiation? Is they that are. what that is? Exactly, okay. but it's not radiation like you would think. Electromagnetic okay. field is high frequency radiation. Mm-hmm. That's an EMF. I mean, your cell phone's right. right here. This this gives off EMF. It gives mm-hmm. off high frequency radiation. It's radiation. That's yeah. why I, I never use a, a Bluetooth device okay. in my ear. I think you might have one in your ear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because on a cell Every phone, I, I mean, it's one thing for for podcasts because mm-hmm. it's slow it's low current. And yeah. I worked for Motorola. I contracted for Motorola in Fort Lauderdale. And the engineers, they were designing a Bluetooth for the BlackBerry device. And mm-hmm. none of the engineers would use the Bluetooth because they knew the amount of radiation. Because wow. what, what, And that was back then. I'm sure it's better now. But, you mm-hmm. know, when, when you have a Bluetooth, it's constantly talking to your phone. So it's a constant radiation link from your mm-hmm. Bluetooth to your phone. And it's a high-frequency radiation. And even with my phones, you know, I'll, I'll move the phone around. Sometimes I wear it on the right side. Sometimes I wear it on the left side. You kind of want to move it back and forth. Don't leave it in the same place. I know that because I know that there's high frequency radiation involved in cell phones because I've been in so many cell mm-hmm. phone uh, jobs, basically, you know, sure. different companies and stuff. You know, we've worked on cell phone devices. I kind of know that. Well, mm-hmm. that's that's electromagnetic field. Now, what I've learned with animal mutilations is sometimes there is a large electromagnetic field in the area where the animal was mutilated. Now, we're humans. We're we're susceptible to EMF fields or EM fields. Mm -hmm. The reason for that is because we're walking, talking capacitors. You know, we give off a couple of volts. Yeah. And and uh yeah and we're like I said we're capacitors. Each one of us has a unique frequency, and that's why some people. That's why you walk up to someone and you go, you know, I could be that guy's best friend because I just feel so comfortable. You yeah. know, if you know, they, back in the day in the seventies, it was an aura. Oh yeah, we share the same aura. You know, mm-hmm. but but it, it's really frequencies, and each one of us gives off a separate frequency, like you like you have fingerprints. Okay, right. So 
But if you have a certain frequency yourself that you're giving off or that, that your body generates and it, and it comes in contact with a, another electromagnetic field and you're not compatible, you know, uh, you can get nausea, you can throw up, you know, you have headaches and stuff. And so it's an EM field, high field. Same thing with, you've heard stories about never buy a house under electrical lines mm-hmm. because, you know, high powered lines give off a constant EM field and you're mm-hmm. getting inundated, inundated out of here in the U.S. because we have so many politicians involved with the cellular companies. <laughs> they don't talk about it. But if you read the you read some of the scientific journals out of Europe, they tell you right off, you know, yeah. That, yeah, that you can get the tumors from cell phones, mm-hmm. you can get tumors from from high voltage lines and all kinds of stuff. But somehow or another out here in the U.S., we have a tendency of kind of like not talking about that. Yeah. Protect, protecting business interests. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so that's what I think was happening is the couple walked up and they were still a high EM field um, okay. involved. Now, if if you want, I can I can kind of explain what a mutilation is. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Tell us because I that's I want to talk about you know probably some of your more interesting what you would deem more interesting cases but yeah let's go ahead and establish this like baseline for people who may not be familiar with this phenomenon what what cattle mutilation is yeah yeah because i don't want to talk over you guys because this is your podcast <laughs> oh no 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 we're you're like this sure it's our podcast you're our guest but we want to hear from you yeah we're yes. just we're here tell us we're, we're very interested so it's it's really cool and i've done enough of these where i found evidence to back up my claims so mm-hmm. for those people that say bullshit, I say bull. <laughs> I know yeah. I know bulls now, so you know yeah. Um, yeah, really close. Hand, but yeah. um, so cows are basically uh, a mutilation case. Let me see if I can find my my face over here. So um, here's here's a. This is where the cow is grazing, whatever, right? And maybe yeah. he maybe he or she is away from you know, the herd, or maybe they're near the herd, just the outside or whatever. Maybe they're right in the middle of the herd. It's hard to say because it's happened all, all different times. But they're taken from location A to location B. Location B, we don't know where that's at. But the mutilation takes place at location B. They're drained of blood first and then cut it. I know that for a fact because I've taken samples from animals that were mutilated to Colorado State University out here in, in Colorado, it's a, it's a big university that trains the vets in the four corners regions here. Mm-hmm. They look at the they look at the cuts, and and so what I do is uh, you'll see a cut in the animal, and I do a pie cut, mm-hmm. so so the vets can actually see the anomaly cut, right? Yeah, and they say it's in some cases or most of the cases it looks like a scalpel cut. Is what they said. It's mm-hmm. that straight. Yeah. There's only been a couple of cases where it was serrated. Jagged, perfect, perfectly serrated. But wow. most of the time, it's it's like a scalpel cut. But there's That's never weird. been any hemorrhaging though. So since there's no so sign the of blood's hemorrhage, gone. the yeah. blood's gone, right? Yeah. And every one of the cases I've done, true mutilation cases, the blood is taken first and then it's cut out. Now people ask me, you know, um, what's most common with every animal? The cuts, where the cuts are and stuff. At first, it used to be the the cuts were in the glandular area, but basically, mm-hmm. the most common denominator is the blood. And mm-hmm. I found a case back in the late eighteen hundreds, eighteen ninety six, I think it was, out of Missouri, wow. where um, there was a UFO, like a UFO sighting. And the next day, 
the rancho, excuse me, the rancho went out there and there was three cows, three or four cows that were found dead, bored of blood. So it's been South Africa in 1896 in Missouri. So it's been well, going let me ask on you this. Hmm? Are there reports of cattle mutilations in other parts of the world, not just the United States, Europe, oh, yeah. Africa? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Okay. Not a lot in India, which is kind of interesting. But mm-hmm. uh, there are cases of cattle mutilations, but mostly like uh, Dominican Republic and the UK, the, the sheep. And, mm-hmm. and so I've done investigations on sheep, goats, elk. Um, elk, of course, okay. Cows and horses. Mm-hmm. So um, they're it's all just, similar to the to the cows, like like the bloodstream, yeah, yeah. and they, they they fit the profile. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So after they in location B, when they're done, whoever they are, right, they take the animal back close to location A. They just don't leave it there; they bring it back. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that from from two investigations where a, a cow was calving. And mm-hmm. and she had her calf, and then right after she had her calf, what cows do is they eat the placenta to yeah. renourish themselves for the for the milk for the calf. Well, half the placenta had been eaten. The cow was missing, and about fifty five yards away from the calf was the cow, and the cow was drained of blood, and the udder was completely cut out. So the udder itself, the whole udder, right? It's just on mm-hmm. long skin, just like you take an exacto knife and go cut mm-hmm. it out, right? And it's laying on its right side. It's kind of weird. Most of my animals that I've done, they lie on their right side and they're facing east to west. That falls into the thirty seventh parallel theory later on. So you kind yes. of learn one thing, Can't goes wait. to another, goes to another. And uh, the calf was alive. The calf survived. It was, and so if it was a predator. Why didn't it take mm-hmm. the calf? Why would it lure the, yeah. the mom away, kill the mom, take the blood, eat the milk sack perfectly, mm-hmm. right, all in one night, and then leave the calf? And I called the rancher about a week or so later to find out how the calf was doing. The calf was reintroduced into the herd mm-hmm. and was fine. The second case was you know, what I do with these mutilations is when I go to the mutilation, after I'm all done with what I'm doing with the animal, then I do a spiral going outwards and yep. looking for evidence. Okay. And so I was doing that over in, over near Trinidad by San, San Luis, in between San Luis and Trinidad, Colorado. And mm-hmm. as I was spiraling out, um, I had, I had a person with me that was helping me. And we came across uh, tracks, cow okay. tracks, uh, walking along the fence. It had, it had rained the day before when the animal was killed and it was muddy and it was only one set of cow tracks and it stopped. <laughs> and oh, I, man. I'm looking at this and it stopped. It yoinked up. And it was done, you know, and it was about 55 yards or so away from where the animal yeah. was. And, okay. uh, and, it, and the only possible way that an animal could have done that is it would have to walk backwards inside its own tracks. Yeah. It. yeah. It was one set of tracks and it was just stopped. I'm going, okay, now I know. And now that I've done at least two of them, I know it's average 55 yards or so, you know, because you measure it off. Mm-hmm. So they bring them back for whatever reason, and, and then off they go. Now, here's the part that kind of threw me f- later. From mm-hmm. the very beginning, when you when you listen to the, the Linda Moulton Howes and the Christopher O'Briens, who were the leading people with cattle mutilations in the, you know, earlier, 
Um, yeah. They say the animals dropped. Well, I was a deputy. I was a reserve deputy out here for eight years. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we had, we did, and towards the beginning of, of, of being a deputy, we're going through all different types, just outside the academy. After I was already in there, we're seeing films and stuff and how to prepare yourself for different circumstances. And one film was on jumpers. Okay. And, and how do you prepare yourself when you walk up to a, a body of someone who jumped off a yeah. building or something? And they actually had footage, security footage of people that had jumped. And it's interesting how high a body bounces. Mm-hmm. You know when it hits the ground, and then at different, even if you fall ten, ten feet or five feet, your body's still going to move a little bit when you hit the ground. You're just not right. going to come down flat. Mm-hmm. Every one of the cases, and what, and a true mutilation case is when you look at the animal, it's, it's as if the animal is just placed there, just placed. Mm-hmm. There's no movement in the head, the legs, nothing. And even one that we did, uh, Mike Duran's case. It, the the animal was lying in the banks of the Purgatory River in the mud, perfect, perfect, just in the mud, perfect. No movement, no struggle, no nothing. Now, no struggle to try and survive, nothing. Mm-hmm. Whoever put it there was already dead. Placed it down like it was a fiberglass cow. So I'm thinking, okay. So it, it comes down, and then after I saw the film, I'm going, well, if it's dropped, you're still going to see scuff marks. You're, you're going to sure. see movement. Because the animal is not, it's only been dead an hour, I mean, a day. So, mm-hmm. you know, rigor, rigor mortis hasn't set in, so it's not really hard. So you can move things. I'm like, God, that's right. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. And then a couple of cases later, I picked up high EM fields near the animal. I'm scratching my head and I'm like, what the hell? And, and this animal had a big gaping hole in the side of his head. And it was interesting because my son Chuck was with me, who's regular army. And and he was, uh, I think it was, was he on leave or, or something? I forget why he was here. Always oh, in between. He had left mm-hmm. the army, joined the guard, and went back into the army. Um, so he was out there with me, and he's very analytical. He goes, Dad, this just doesn't make sense. This doesn't yeah. make sense. I'm looking at this. It doesn't make sense. Why a predator would eat the side of the head because there's yeah. no flesh. There's nothing there, you know, and leave other parts of the body and on and on. And I'm hitting it with my EMF meter. It's a tri-field EMF meter. Tri-field EMF meters are meters that eliminate a human-made EMF. So you get like mm-hmm. natural EMF. And this meter was bah, 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 bah. and I was it was it was the, the pegging the needle, which is well over a hundred microteslas. Well, the Earth's magnetic field is fifty microteslas. I'm like, okay. holy cow. Well, yeah. holy cow. You know, <laughs> this thing is, I'm getting a higher reading than the Earth's magnetic field off of the head of an animal. And so um, the next day I called Alpha Labs, who designed, you know, the, the EMF meter. And he said, well, you don't quote me on this. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. this is just me thinking because I actually talked to a tech guy who actually was part of the design of different meters. He says, it, it, it appears one of two things. There was something electronically placed in the animal at one point, mm-hmm. And when it was taken out, the energy from the device was still in the skin and the muscle tissue of the animal and hadn't dissipated yet. Or there was some other type of energy force associated with that. Mm-hmm. He went, oh, okay. 
this is why I'm getting EMF. Well, this makes sense because UFO investigations where people say that something came down and touched down on the grass there or there, I get high EMF. Mm -hmm. I'm getting high EMF from the power of of the craft. Now Mm -hmm. I'm getting high EMF from this animal. Am I getting high EMF from the power of the craft that did this to this animal? Mm -hmm. Or am I getting high EMF from the tools, electronic tools, the technology that was used to cut this animal up? Well, then a couple Mm -hmm. of mutilations later, I just, back in Trinidad again, um, Tom Miller, who's had over 15, 16 mutilations, I've done 12 of his. So right in the middle of the field, and his cow's laying dead on the ground. Once again, it's pointing east to west. Don't know. Stupid. But I my truck sitting in my Ram 1500, and my gear's in the back. And one of the boxes had, rolled, had moved forward while I was forebuying on the, on the field. And so I hop in the back of the truck, and I pick the box up. Box up, and I ah, pull my back. I go stretch a little bit. I look over and went, "What the hell is that?" There's a ring around that cow. I've never noticed it because I'm elevated. I'm looking mm-hmm. and went, "Son of a bitch!" She goes, "That's a crop circle, but it's not a crop circle. It's an right. indentation of the ground." First time I've seen it. Not saying that they weren't there before. It's just the first time I've seen it. Yeah, you got a different perspective. So I go over there and I hit it with an EMF, and I'm getting. You know, I hit inside the the ring, outside the ring, and I'm kind of measuring. Okay, eight microteslas, fifteen here. Okay, not a lot, but you know, there's still something going on here. And so I took dirt samples, and I had and I sent the dirt samples from inside and outside the ring to um, the same soil analysis company that the BLM sends their soil to. Mm-hmm. That's how I found them. I went to the BLM site, right? And I said, here's sample A, here's sample B. Tell me the difference. That's all I told. Them. I didn't tell him anything else. And I get back. Sample A, which was near the cow, the nutrients mm-hmm. have ch- changed. The um, uh, the nutrients that have to do with uh, water soluble being water soluble. Right. Um, so um, that's been changed compared to the other, you know, sample I've taken. I said, okay, so what can change the nutrients in you know, in the soil and causes yeah. an EMF. Come on, it's obvious. It's a it's an energy field. Yes. Yeah. And and so after that I, I started checking, you know, the cow mutilation cases from then on and saying how many and there was a couple more that we had, you know, uh rings around them. Um mm-hmm. and then uh two other cases. So that's not as common. Well. Hmm? That's not as common, this ring around them. It might just have to do with maybe the soil, the vegetation. I did one in San Luis. It was a bull, and you could mm-hmm. clearly see where it laid down in the grass. That mm-hmm. that you know uh, that you could see that it was all pushed down. You know, in about a sixteen foot diameter. And then there was a case in Kansas City, Kansas City, Missouri, and I had the investigator out there take soil samples. And then there was a case in Georgia. I had and I taught the uh, the, the rancher there how to take soil samples for me. And, and had them a bag, and they can mail it back to me. And so, Colorado, Missouri, and then even Georgia, the cations, the CECs, the nutrients were different from inside the circle than outside the circle. Mm-hmm. And I saw that all, and I was like, okay, here's a pattern. I see it now. Yeah. It's a matter on the soil because Missouri is high in clay, mm-hmm. Colorado is high in sand. I don't know about Georgia. 
But um, so I'm going, okay, it has nothing to do with the soil. Now, here's the other. Now, here's a thing I learned after that. Because before that, some of the animals, when they came down on the ground, they hit the ground so hard they created a crater. It's like if you take your fist and you hit the sand on a beach, you create Mm -hmm. that. Well, you guys worked in the beach (laughs) in the army, all sand out there. So, you know, the craters (laughs) everywhere. But if you hit the sand and you can see a little crater Mm -hmm. and and I was seeing that with some of the cases, I'm going, this thing came down hard. And and then a couple of cases we were able to look inside the animal and actually open the animal up. The rib cage was broken from the backbone. Internal bones were broken. Legs were broken. They came down that hard. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, I know it wasn't dropped. If we skinned, we had, uh, I had uh, the Colorado veterinary skin the animal, make sure you don't see any strap marks or anything like that. Never seen any strap marks of how it was lifted or anything like that. So an energy force places the animal back down. This is the best I got, guys. This is all I've, and this is oh, based yeah. on. This is just based on the data. I'm not, mm-hmm. it's not. It's kind of a theory, but it's all based on on data that I picked up that it right. appears that an energy force picks up the animal, takes it somewhere, and then when it brings it back down, depending on the amount of force or depending on the intensity of the energy force, the animal can be placed down gently or placed so hard that the bones will break internally. So what what would it almost sounds like there's two different processes then if you have one that's setting it down gently and the other that's kind of in a way slamming it down in a very controlled way right do you think it, that there's two separate processes or like two separate I can think I go to it's the same process at different elevations okay right and and you guys would know that you know you know shooting elevations and stuff so mm-hmm. the higher the elevation with gotcha. the energy the more intense the energy's got to be to be able to put the energy, put the animal right. back down, that could happen. If it's lower to the ground, the less energy you would need or else mm-hmm. you drive that animal five feet in the ground, right? You know, yeah. depending on, on the energy source. So my guesstimate, it has to do with, you know, the height of mm-hmm. craft or the height of whatever is doing makes this, sense. you know, elevation-wise. So this is what's pretty scary about animal mutilations is there's enough evidence that it's an energy source that's doing it. Yeah. Um, and and I've been able to measure the energy source on the animal and then on the ground. Now, let's talk about the ranchers. Well, the ranchers mm-hmm. see these balls of light, light mm-hmm. flashes and stuff. And and um, I do have uh, one quick story. Rancher Miller, who yeah. I used Please. at Alien Highway. Matter of fact, Beyond Skinwalker Ranch, they contacted me and they wanted me to uh, help them with Rancher Miller for their show, but I said, only if I'm on the show. And mm-hmm. they said, well, I don't know. We have our own guys. I said, yeah, pass. So you're on your own with this one. Um, yeah. And don't use anything my website because it's copyright infringement. See ya. Click, you know. Well, now yeah. click. <laughs> you can't yeah, right. a phone down anymore. No. So uh, Rancher Miller had his two, two, uh, He has a ranch house, two homes. He has a ranch house, and he has the home that they live in. And -hmm. the ranch house is near the corrals, so if he knows he's got to get up early in the morning, do something with the animals, he'll sleep, Mm -hmm. you know, especially when it comes calving time, right? That's usually when he Mm -hmm. does it. So it's a night. He's laying in his his bed. He's right next to a window, very feng shui, I guess. 
or maybe mm-hmm. not. Um, and he sees these two balls of light about the size of bigger than a softball, smaller than a volleyball. And they're mm-hmm. going like this. And it goes straight up and out of the view of, of the window frame, right? And he's okay. just watching. He's going, now he's seen balls of light before. It's nothing mm-hmm. nothing new to him because him and his wife, Sally, have both seen him out there. But this is the first time it's been that close to him. And he's just kind of like watching as he sees it goes up. And then it disappears. And then his bed starts shaking. And he feels this tinging feeling from here go across his body to his left side and is gone. And then the Are bed stops. scanned, maybe? Just, yeah, <laughs> passed over the top of him. Yeah. Top of the house. And then, and then after a couple of minutes, he started feeling the left side of his body go back tingling, the other way. tingling again and to the right, but he didn't see the lights, right? But you know, to the right again, he could feel it and the bed was shaking. And he was thinking, because they do have, you know, there's a lot of hauntings out there in Trinidad too. Some may be hauntings, some may not be. And that's what I'm thinking. What he yeah. thought were hauntings, I don't think it's the case. I think it's something else. So he goes, what was the bed shaking? It was just like, you know, the exorcist with Linda Blair, right? And <laughs> yeah. Scary said, either way. Yeah. And I said, okay, um, Tom, don't take this personally, but tell me a little bit about your bed. What mm-hmm. kind of bed is it? It wouldn't happen to have a metal frame and metal springs by any chance. Mm. He goes, yeah, it's an old style, it's an old style bed. It has metal. And went, here you are. It was a high energy field, a high electromagnetic field. And uh, I don't know if you can hear that chirping in the background. <laughs> Could you hear it? Sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. It's so fine. Let me bury my phone. It's work. We run a project, and, and they're just sending it out to everybody. You're good. Um, my stuff is, you know all about that stuff. Um, <laughs> contacting you in the middle of the night. Hey, did you do this? Right. So, yep. so I told him, I said, no, it's the high EM field from those two balls of light. And mm-hmm. and, and the energy that you felt was was the energy coming from the two balls of light like they were scanning you or just could have just been, you know, maybe the energy is more columnized. Don't mm-hmm. know. You know, I really yeah. don't know. And you just felt that. And then it came back again. And then when it came back again, the bed starts moving again. Cause he mentioned he had the other time where him and his wife were in the, in the living room talking to uh, his, his sister and mm-hmm. a knife, a big butcher knife flew across from one counter to the other side in the kitchen. Ooh. And he got up and goes, holy shit, we've got ghosts. Like, yeah. Maybe not. Maybe something. Because I said, what else was out there? Anything metal? No, mm-hmm. no. We just said use the knife for something other laying on the counter. I said, so that was the only metallic thing on a wooden counter? And he goes, yeah. I said, I don't think it was ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> I can see why you would think that, though. That's really, man. Yeah. Well, and that's what you get. You get, and, and that's why a few years ago I had to learn how to do ghost investigations. Because I was getting cases where people were saying they were abducted and when, or they had not abducted, but, you know, you know, there was some type of contact. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turned out that that wasn't the case because it didn't fit from my experience, the alien agenda type of thing. Mm-hmm. It was totally different, you okay. know, and so, um, so that would be more of a haunting yeah. And then worse advice where people think they're being haunted or they have a ghost or a spirit. It could be something else. So I started uh, hanging with Pipe Speak Ghost Hunters and the ghost hunters out here in Colorado Springs. Went with them a few times and started doing ghost investigations on myself. I don't do that a lot. 
but I did enough of them that, you know, I already had the equipment. Yeah. So um, I did enough of them where I could tell the difference now between the two, you know, especially when I'm talking to the witness over the phone or, you know, talking to them eye to eye. I can say that doesn't fit the bill to that, but maybe you need to talk to a ghost hunter. <laughs> so what would somebody say to you then that they think maybe they're having a haunting, but from what you're hearing from them, you think it may be more close encounter related? Well, it's for the, the, the main thing at first is the flashes of light from outside. Okay. You know, that's, that's kind of like a first clue. Um, and then, right. and then after that, it was, and then after they feel the flash, after they see the flashes of light or something, then they get that tingly feeling, you know, mm-hmm. like you get right before there's a lightning storm, right? Mm-hmm. There's so much, you know, ozone in, in, in the air that your the hair and your arms starting, they feel that. And then it's nighty night. You know, they, they think they see a shadow and then it, they, then they just go to sleep and they mm-hmm. wake up and wonder what happened. That's not generally the case with ghost hunting, you know, or, right. or, or being haunted um, or, or just being visited by a loved one, right? You know, but um, it's the, a dead loved one, I should say. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's, so, you know, it, it's, it's, if, if it's gradual and you know, it's a long experience, it's more of a, okay, like the spiritual thing, but in other cases, and then if they see lights, you know, mm-hmm. they see a light go through their house or something. I said, can you see through the light? Mm-hmm. And if they say, yeah, then, then that's an orb. That's spiritual. If you can't mm-hmm. see through the light, that's a probe. Now what probes are, and I don't like some of these UFO guys out there in these UFO shows, because they'll say that they'll say, Oh, we're UFOs and I can see orbs everywhere. Mm-hmm. No, no, you know, you're, you're not seeing something pertaining to UFOs. You're seeing something else. Probes, they're mechanical probes and I've recorded them. I videotaped them in Missouri. We actually recorded them, uh, Alien Highway, you mm-hmm. know, uh, we recorded them too. So, um, those are balls of light and they're solid. Right. Uh, and they have their own agenda. They're doing whatever they're doing. If it's in, looking, checking out the environment or whatever they're doing. And I, I kind of have a feeling that might be the case just sure. because of some of my investigations. But I have seen orbs when I've done investigations like at Stanley Hotel at Essence Park and mm-hmm. and a couple of other places out here in Colorado where you see, and you just see kind of like this, just like, you know, kind of go by. You're like, well, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I'll leave now. <laughs> right. You talked about um, like the agenda. You said like when people think they're being haunted or they thought they were like visited. You said like the alien agenda. What do you mean by that? Do you do you think is it like key things that every potential abduction from like aliens or extraterrestrials that they do? Like what is their potential agenda? Well, I mean, um, what I mean by the alien agenda is, I mean basically, you know, it's they got to park the craft somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You say they're over your house or next to your house or something, and you'll pick up high EMFs if it's near the house or on the ground. I have a cool story about that. I can tell you in a second. But um, yeah. so, you know, that kind of like, okay, they have their own agenda, how they do things. It's kind of weird because some people, it kind of threw me at first, but some people talk about going through the window or going through the wall. Okay, and and they can go through the wall and they go, go or and so I always thinking maybe they're always going through a window, 
and then I, the more I the more I study this was a few years ago, the more I study, the more I realize that even within our own scientific community, they're trying to pass solid matter through solid matter. And mm-hmm. I read a pretty cool paper about it years and years ago that nothing's really solid. It's just impacted mm-hmm. with. So you can actually pass things through solid matter. And they've done yeah. it in certain cases. Well, Buckaroo Banzai did, right? Went right through them out. If you've ever seen Buckaroo Banzai, you probably have it. You're too young. Okay. <laughs> but you're yep. going to have to watch that now that I mentioned it. And anybody right. out there that, <laughs> right. that I heard, you know, now they're going to have to watch it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I, it, I, I joke because this alien guy right here, he's wearing mm-hmm. a Buckaroo Banzai headband. So, oh, okay. <laughs> Anyway, so um, so they could be using technology that they can pass people through walls. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you know they do have you know very you know high tech tech you know instrumentation ships and you know Commander Fravor, you know the, right. the fighter pilot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because you know it's one thing, and I get these debunkers and these skeptics all the time. Well, he doesn't know. He doesn't know what it is. He's just a pilot, just a human. I'm going, dude. First off, he's highly trained, mm-hmm. so he's trained to know what our allies and non-allies have for oh, weapons yeah. out there. He knows Absolutely. that. He knows about the closest he can get to what they're hiding. You know what? Well, what they're hiding from us, we don't know, but as closest to you know what they're hiding from us, and uh, and then. If that's not good enough for you, the instrumentation is about a thousand times smarter than the pilot, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So you know you got these com- you know computers on board, the fighter pilots. They're calculating in in nanoseconds. Mm-hmm. This, this is you know and and analyzing and coming up with solutions in seconds. You know, I mean, shooting solutions probably a matter of a couple of seconds. You could probably get a hundred. Shooting solutions, just because mm-hmm. you know the, now the computers are so fast, and a lot of fighter pilots will have a couple of computers working together. So, sure. and then the instrumentation, you know, is designed out there to be able to identify anything that's man-made. You know, any type of exhaust, heat signature, uh, radiation signature, blah 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 blah. They're looking for all that, and yet the instruments don't pick up any of that. Mm-hmm. So, the, I tell those people. You know, you really need to think before you talk or at least need to research a bit before you start, you know, dissing our fighter pilots because they're far more experienced in what they do and know what they do than what you think you know what they do type of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you've watched that video and listened to them talk, they're genuinely perplexed by what they're seeing. They're not, you know, what the maneuvers that the Tic Tac, right, is doing, they're marveled at. They're marveled by mm-hmm. what's going on because of the way it's moving, how fast it's moving. Um, and then even the the route they planned on going on those trips out, it was meeting them on those, those waypoints, I suppose. Right. And so that, you know, is to me indicative of, of something intelligent, right? And I so there is the the fear that hey that might be something that's enemy and that's what you may think but then at the same time it's we don't know anything that our our enemies have that can do mm-hmm. something like this and move that way you know so, so to intrigue. say and suggest yeah to say and suggest that that you know they just don't know what they're talking about is is a, is a little wild you it's know but yeah. yeah i mean yeah. And, it's, and and it's funny too because those people go well how how can they figure out you know 
where the meeting point is after an altercation in the sky. And, and mm-hmm. that's talked about in briefing. And yeah. it's changed every day at briefing where they mm-hmm. all go to, right, pretty much, yeah. to assess what just happened. Sure. How do they know that? Let's see, it's simple. They were hacked. Big mm-hmm. deal. We get hacked. The, the CIA gets hacked. You know, sure. mm-hmm. U.S. bank got hacked. My wife's bank account got hacked. <laughs> Money was taken out Sunday. So, um, <laughs> so people have, you have to think about this. We have the experience of technology right now. These mm-hmm. hackers aren't any more intelligent than you and I. You know, they're, they're just good at what they've learned and they're good at what they're doing. You know, during COVID, it's funny that, you know, during COVID, we knew what, what jobs were essential and what jobs weren't essential. People learned real quick mm-hmm. that they were working for non-essential jobs. And those essential jobs that people used to make fun of, like the garbage collectors, the plumbers and all that stuff, realized pretty damn quick that those are the essential people, yeah. not the people working in Starbucks. Yeah, you know? not, yeah exactly. You know, not the waiter at Applebee's. Right? Not the waiter, at, not not the cooks at Applebee's, not Applebee's, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. So, so they learned real quick that you know that Sorry, there's two jobs, and then there's jobs that that you need for mm-hmm. society to be able to you know to yeah. keep going on. And then, so it's real quick, you know, mechanics and stuff. Like that. Not that I'm knocking the Starbucks guys, but sometimes they know they're so. Some of those guys think they're all that. I haven't been friends with a couple of Starbucks people, and I always joke with them about that. And no, I can't make a good latte, so. They're they're better at me at doing that, but For I'm sure. better at them at designing microchips than they are. So my That's wife, pretty and important. I work, yeah, my wife and I worked through COVID. She worked for a plumbing company, mm. and the plumbing company's necessity microchip mm. design is necessity. So absolutely, you know, we didn't get the, we didn't get the opportunity to sit at home and collect money like a lot mm-hmm. of other people did. We still had to work for ours. So yeah, I did too. That's for sure. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Being active duty during during all that. So yep. But. I, 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 I hate to be. I, I'm not. I don't mean be mean with people who yeah. have those jobs. But if you have those jobs, you know that was a wake up call during COVID. That you know if if the stock market crashes and things you know don't look great, and the economy's going you know backwards. That it's usually the foo-foo jobs go out first, then the jobs yeah. that keep the society going and keep everything going. So if you get into a job that you know that is a right. necessity, then you're good to go, you know, and mm-hmm. you're not going to, you know, it won't be closed down. But, you know, car salesman. So, yeah. You, know. you said you had a story, Chuck, about the um, uh, the parking where the, where the craft parks. Oh, yeah, yeah. So... Um, <laughs> Really I don't want cool. to lose it. <laughs> okay, I'm going. I'm already going to somewhere else. So, um, so we were shooting uh, an episode. You know, so, seven out of the eight episodes for Alien Highway back in 2019 were my active investigations. The eighth episode was Malibu, which mm-hmm. something you know, uh, uh, underwater base. I, I don't live in California anymore. So, but um, but these were my active investigations. And we turned those into episode by adding other things. So one of them was uh, in uh, in Missouri. I think it was Salem, Missouri. I didn't even know they had a Salem in Missouri. But uh, it was really cool because they had uh, supposedly a couple months back, a craft had landed near this guy's ranch mm-hmm. and a ranch house. And uh, and so 
I, I talked to him and, and there'd been some unusual things happening, not only there, but in that whole area. So we went basically to the town and, and, uh, and we're like talking to everybody. Mm-hmm. But when we went, the thing was, is we, we had a good picture of this ring that was left a couple months prior near the ranch house. And the production guy, you know, the, the, uh, the showrunner was talking to me and says, well, we're going to try and sort of find out where that ring is. I go, I could tell you exactly where that ring is if I'm looking at the picture. And he goes, how's that? I said, well, because, you know, remember the old overheads? I don't know if the military still uses that now. And they're transparent pictures. So I said, mm-hmm. we'll just take this picture. We'll make it transparent. We'll stand right there. We'll line everything up in the background, the house, trees, everything. We'll know exactly where that ring is. We'll lay flags down. He goes, that's brilliant. And I go, no, it's not. You know, it's right. innovative. That's all it is. You know, you just sure. no problem. You fix a problem. So my son was holding up the he, my son Daniel, who's you know the the first sergeant. He's the who was on my team. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's holding up the the picture and he's telling me where to place the flags. It was all great. And so, so what I was going to do was um, for TV, I was going to go in. I was going to take soil samples, and we were going to take them. We did take them to. Uh, Soil analysis place in Missouri to have them analyzed, and, and but you know we're reenacting how what you would do with an active investigation, right? So I'm going in, I'm going in the in the circle with a bag and you know my Marshall trawl to, to open up the, the dirt, dig in there, and the cameraman behind me, he's shooting with a, a nine, an eighty five thousand dollar red camera, the the manufacturer's red. And they're the same cameras they use to shoot the Marvel movies with. Okay. So they're not cheap cameras. These are expensive yeah. cameras. He's following me in. And as soon as he steps into the circle, and I didn't realize it, his camera died. Oh, and it reset and just went out. And he goes, I know something's wrong with my camera. And I, went, and I looked at it, you know, light Uh-oh. bulb on the door going, you're in the circle. Holy shit. And mm-hmm. I ran back to the <laughs> Ran back to my box and you know uh, of toys, right? And I pulled out my EMF meter because I didn't think about because we weren't mm-hmm. at that part yet. You walked around with an EMF meter, and sure enough, I was still getting high levels of electromagnetic field, so high that it 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 actually mucked with his camera. And not only that, but when um, but the the pilot that was flying the drone overhead, doing mm-hmm. the overhead shots afterwards, when he went to go land the drone, it wouldn't land. Now. My drone, my DJI Phantom, Phantom 4 or whatever it is, um, you know, it has a camera sensors on the bottom and it lands itself. It knows where the where the ground is. This thing couldn't find the ground. So it just hovered about five feet. It wouldn't mm-hmm. land. It goes, There's no ground here. There's, it's, it's confused. And the yeah. drone pilot on our team goes, oh, I've never seen that happen before. But he's walking <laughs> over, just grabbed it, walked away and went, whoa. So then That's I so talked weird. to... So I talked to Travel Channel, the executive producer of Travel Channel. I said, please, please, can we break the fourth wall on this episode to show mm-hmm. that the cameraman's camera went out because it's huge, because mm-hmm. it's proven evidence. And she did. She she agreed because she was in a UFO. She's a UFO type of person. So mm-hmm. I wanted to do, I wanted to break the fourth wall all the time and talk to the production company because I think that the audience feels more at home when you're doing that. Definitely. But, um, Anyway, so that was pretty cool that even after a couple of months, there was such a, a high EM field still left there that it mucked with this professional camera. 
It's happened well, to me a few times with my cameras, but I've never seen it done with a camera like that. You talked a lot about EMF, right? And then you talked a lot about like ghost ghost hunters. And both you and ghost hunters use EMF detectors. And it kind of is weird to me because there's all these different theories about aliens out there, UFOs, that they're from another planet, another galaxy, or we're talking about things that are interdimensional and that they're here, but maybe on another plane. And that's definitely a theory that gets thrown around with ghosts as well, that the, this correlation of electromagnetic fields and testing and you say, oh, EMF is going up, right? So we're getting some sort of paranormal activity and a haunting and that's right. measurable. And the right. same goes for alien activity. You know, do you think that that throws some credence into the camp of that this is more of an interdimensional phenomenon that's happening? Or are these things that are coming to our planet from another planet and interacting with us in this really obscure way? Well, I think EMF is such a a broad range though of okay well it's actually i, I don't you know it's, it's if you look at the the wave spectrum it's, it is kind of broad so mm-hmm. there could be different levels within the emf that our meters are picking up okay. they just pick up the whole emf you know mm-hmm. okay it's high frequency radiation and there's probably infinity different types of frequencies in between that we don't mm-hmm. know about but uh so a spirit is energy by itself mm-hmm. now Ghost investigators have been using EMF meters for a long time, but UFO investigators have equally been using EMF meters for the same amount of time because mm-hmm. of the trace elements of technology leaving mm-hmm. some type of a trace. So what I've what I found personally doing ghost investigations, if there's if there's something near me, and it happened in, in Colorado, South Park, <laughs> I know. There really is in South Park, awesome. Colorado. But yep. it's, uh, it's a ghost town is what it is. That's why mm. they get away with it. But it's near um um oh, I just drew a blank, I'm sorry. Um I just forgot the name of the town that it's sitting in there. I'm sure people are gonna no worries. Anyway, there's a hotel there that we did a ghost investigation at. And uh at the time my son was dating his wife. Mm-hmm. And so there was there's three people over here. So we're like I'm looking at myself, so make sure I get this right. So it's like three people here, three people here. I got an EMF meter at the end. I got night vision cameras set up. And we're in, inside a basement of this hotel mm-hmm. that used to have tunnels going to other um, stores and stuff. Because back in the day, during Prohibition and stuff, the the, the drinks would, would pass through the tunnels from one right. establishment to the other. And somehow a couple of the tunnels ended up at the brothels. But anyway, oh. <laughs> let's go hand in hand. Of course. Uh, and then, but there was a time back when, where there was a doctor that, that particular motel was a brothel and, mm-hmm. um, and every now and then a doctor from Denver would come out and do abortions. Okay. And then, and then the fetuses were just pretty much buried or thrown in the cellar. Or in the, you know the basement area where we were, so that's why I was there because it's been a lot of activity there. Okay, and I tell you, it's pitch black. I couldn't see. You know, my son actually and my daughter-in-law were sitting on the right side, and then and then uh, Matt Morgan and two other people, my team, were on the other side. And it was really dark. I couldn't see the other people barely. And uh, we're talking, and I'm not getting anything. And so my so we're going right down the road. 
if you're doing a ghost, a ghost investigation and you're in charge, but you're not getting any responses, you pass it to the person beside you. Okay. you know, because there could be one person in your group that may have that frequency, you know, yeah. or, yep. you know, or be intuitive. They're tuned in. Right, that they're more tuned in. And as it turned out, it was my son. And that makes sense okay. because he's ADD. <laughs> he's got all kinds of that. <laughs> it's every frequency. Yeah, he's jumping around everywhere. And, uh, and it got down to him, and he was asking questions. And, you, and the, the meter was getting a little buzzy and stuff. And all of a sudden, we all saw it. As dark as it was, we saw a black shadow run in between us. Just just not run, oh, but wow. cool. And then mm. my meter went, because there's an alarm on my meter so I could hear it. You know mm-hmm. when the when the meter moves, and and both two of my cameras, one pointed behind me to where the fetuses were buried, and one pointed forward. At the same time, the video kind of went. So it was an EM mm-hmm. field. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was an apparition, but it was an EM field wow. that the meter picked up, and then the cameras that distorted the cameras, and we saw the shadow go running by, and we did feel the cold. It was just like you see in the movies. Mm-hmm. It was it was a cold breeze and you know, so I know then from that and a couple of other cases that I've done ghost investigations that the spirits themselves are mm-hmm. a high energy field, mm-hmm. and our meters are just able to pick up, you know, okay. uh, EMF meters are able to pick that up. Now with the aliens though, it's probably more technology than it is mm-hmm. you know, or or the technology they use maybe mm-hmm. during an abduction or or whatever. Now you're talking about interdimensional, and some people think at the very beginning, well, these these craft they're just disappearing. It's mm-hmm. just they're just going into another dimension. Well, really, because maybe they're just too quick. Or cloaking. Oh, it's a cloaking device, exactly, and mm-hmm. and it's just a cloaking device, and or they're just too quick. Now you know you can do this with your your fingers, and it makes it look like that you're you're all distorted and stuff because our our mind is trying to figure mm-hmm. out what our eyes are seeing, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, so when we see something like that and what's there and what's just not there, it doesn't necessarily mean that it just disappeared. It just went shot so yeah. fast, it doesn't streak. That's technology. Now, light, mm-hmm. the reason why things streak is because of light, right? Mm-hmm. But if the energy sources they are using doesn't affect the light around us, you're not going to see a streak. You're not going to... Oh, and if the exhaust system isn't within our our light spectrum, you're not mm-hmm. going to see an exhaust. I'm going right. to jump into my, my theory now with hydrogen. Yeah. Every one of the mutilation cases I've done so far, the cows are near a water source. Okay. A lot of UFO sightings are near a water source. Mm-hmm. Okay, so why water? Well, water's got hydrogen and oxygen. Well, we can get oxygen from the air, so... If the UFOs are using one of the two, if they're using water, what are they using? Are they using hydrogen and oxygen? Well, they can clearly, easily pull oxygen out of our atmosphere, mm-hmm. but not hydrogen. It's oxygen and nitrogen. Oxygen uh, is everywhere around us, but hydrogen is in our water. That's where mm-hmm. you extract it from. So it's real easy for anybody out there listening. It's real easy for you to do it. Just be careful. Take a 9-volt battery. Take a wire on each end of the two terminals. Mm-hmm. And a bear, you know, two wires that are bare, and just drop them, push them into a water cup. And when mm-hmm. you see a little mist comes up, that's pure hydrogen. So it's it's electrolysis. It's the it's the energy of the battery turning water. It's it's removing the hydrogen from the water 
into a mist. Mm -hmm. And that's energy. Hydrogen. And you can make it blow yeah. up depending on what you want to do or you don't don't strike a match. <laughs> so, Solid advice. Well, my theory is is these crafts are using hydrogen as an energy source. Okay. Now, if you look at our sun, guess what? Our sun uses mm -hmm. hydrogen as an energy source. Yeah. It uses hydrogen in, in fusion, mm -hmm. right? Or fission. I forget one of the two. And um well, it's hydrogen so fuel cell cars. Exactly. But here's yeah. what's interesting about hydrogen in our sun. So our sun uses hydrogen to create energy. Mm -hmm. What is the exhaust of our sun? It's ultraviolet A and ultraviolet B light. Mm. That's the exhaust from our sun. Guess what we can't see? We can't see ultraviolet A or ultraviolet B. We know mm -hmm. ultraviolet A exists because we get sunburned, you know, and ultraviolet B. Right, and, uh, matter of fact, yeah, I do get sunburned. Yeah. <laughs> And, and really, if you're above the 37th parallel across the United States, here's another part of my theory. If you live above the 37th parallel, half the time during the year, during wintertime, like right now, you're more susceptible to vitamin D deficiency mm -hmm. because you don't have that particular ultraviolet ray hitting you like other parts, like California and other places like that. So people during the wintertime for so many months are actually vitamin D deficient. Mm -hmm. So now you have Commander Fravor, right? Now, his jet, his instruments are looking for all kinds of stuff. Now, the instruments in a jet can't look for ultraviolet A or ultraviolet B rays because all you get to see is sunlight. They mm -hmm. can take a combination. They can look at ultraviolet A or ultraviolet B and um, heat source of some source and maybe use the two to try and find a tracking. I mean, technology is pretty good out there. So they could use it in that case. But if they're just looking for ultraviolet A exhaust or ultraviolet B exhaust, how are they going to do that? First, they have mm -hmm. to know how intense the exhaust is. How is it different from the ultraviolet rays we're getting already? They have to have something to start with to be able to design something to be able to detect it, mm -hmm. right? So they don't see an exhaust. But the exhaust is there because if the, if the craft is using hydrogen and they're using some type of a fission control, then the exhaust is going to be ultraviolet A or ultraviolet B. And it could it doesn't have to be coming out of the back. It could just mm -hmm. be a glow. Right? Because you're you know, right. we're we're, you know, everything with us is Newton's what is it, third law or second law, third law? For every action, there's a reaction. Mm -hmm. We're we're stuck on that. But you right. know, things change as science gets better and better and better. Right. So there could be exhaust, and I think there is an exhaust, they just can't see it because it's not within our light spectrum. The, they, makes probably, a lot of sense. they probably could have saw the exhaust. Uh, I know a lot of what's been released is very little to what they've said they have. Like, they mm -hmm. have way more videos and other stuff of these things. They could probably have the scans of the exhaust. They just don't want to show it. Well, okay. Yeah. And and the reason for that is, is, is you know, you know, there's two there's two governments. There's, there's an inside one that's doing their own thing, and then there's the one that you guys work for, you know, mm -hmm. and then the one that I, that I I've been on contracts with, you know. So um, it's 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 unfortunate. So there could be a mm. whole MIB, and and I do know that there's an internal. Honestly. I mean, within a, the past couple of years, not couple of years, a few years, um, when I first back in 2000 or so, I found my sister and I. We did an archaeology dig for the Sci-Fi Channel. Um, I didn't like what they were doing. 
because is this, they is were this the one in us, the book? Yeah, they were using us okay. as more like just background, Props. background, and we were digging down to what I thought was the Jurassic period. And yeah. I and a couple of years before that, I got off of a dig with my my wife and I did a dig at the Raven site in Arizona, mm-hmm. which is a Anazazi site, mm-hmm. and we were only digging down. 10, maybe 15 inches to go back 800, 900 years. Mm-hmm. And how they had us dig down two feet and they were looking for artifacts and stuff. Now, I have an idea why they wanted us to do it because they seemed to think that when the craft came down, there was a gouge and there was a mm-hmm. big gouge and the military covered up the gouge. So we were digging down looking for the gouge. And the whole time we're digging down looking for the gouge, there's a backhoe sitting in the background. Right. right. So eventually they brought right. the backhoe in and cut a big, big. So we were there. We knew. And we, my sister and I were the only two investigators that were there. So after the show wrapped, I asked the the, the archaeologist, Dr. Bill Doman, if I could, if my sister, I could come back the next day while mm-hmm. they're out there cleaning up. And then I want to run my own dig. I want mm-hmm. to do a strip dig, you know, one meter by 15 meters and just go down top dirt about six to eight inches at most. Right. Because if anything's going to be there, it only needs to go back. Back then it was like 60, 65 years. Mm-hmm. And the second strip dig, we found a little piece of metal. Mm-hmm. Out of the whole week we were there with the sci-fi channel, we never found any evidence like that. Off my dig, we did. Right. <laughs> not turning my own hone, not not patting myself on my back, but you know that's that's what it is. And I asked the sci-fi channel. Like you've been doing it for a while. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> but it's so. I asked the sci-fi channel, "Can you analyze this more?" They they. All the artifacts that we found, they analyzed it. They basically took it to the lab and they did a visual and they said, da, 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 da. They said, the little piece that we had looks like the back of, a, of duct tape. And that's as far as it goes. I said, no, mm. it's not. And I'll tell you why. It's because when my sister, I, you know, after I dug it up, she sifted it. She found it. When it hit the, when it hit the sunlight, it's, not, it's triangular, but not a perfect triangular, just kind of cut triangular mm-hmm. in shape. Um, all three sides folded up. When, yeah. when it hit the sun, which means it's light conducive or energy conducive or heat or something. When we put it back in the envelope, it flattened up. You take it back out, it curled up again. I'm going, that tape doesn't do that, you know. That uh, sounds and, and, eerily similar to the way that I want to say some um, wasn't it Major Marcel described the wreckage that they recovered from the Roswell site, just the way right. that the it crumpled and then am I am I depicting that accurately? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um so they said, nah, I'm not going to do it. So uh, a couple it, – it, I tried for about a year or so to to do it the right way. And I mm-hmm. said, I heck with these guys. So I went right to Dr. Bill Dolman. I said, uh, have you have you archived that piece yet? And he said, no, we haven't. I said, is there any way I can get it from you? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I'm contracting at a, at a microchip company out here, and they have an electron scanning microscope on one of their floors. <laughs> right. And it just so happens the operator of uh, of the SEM is into UFOs. And I bet you I can convince him to let me use that ESM at night after hours. You know? Sure. And yeah, do uh, some sure work. enough. And so I said, you know, can you can you let me? And I said, I'll come down to Albuquerque and pick it up in Colorado Springs. He mailed it to me. I'm like, oh, my God. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I got so many mail. things to go wrong. A lot mm. of things. So basically I got it. Took it to company. We had an ESM on it, and uh, it turned out to be an aluminum alloy. Mm. And then we we uh, there was a software update. We did it again, and it's aluminum alloy. And this was in the book. 
And then so I go, okay, we got something here. Uh, ESMs are pretty expensive. They're about $250, $300 an hour okay. on, on a regular market to do, uh, to check. So then mm-hmm. I, that year I went to Roswell with my sister. We did a press release in Roswell asking for help from a lab mm-hmm. to analyze this piece that we found. And guess who popped up? Robert Bigelow. Mm-hmm. And he comes in, we'll do it. You know, Bass. B-A-S or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bigelow Aeronautical something, something. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so I talked to the board of directors at the museum that had the piece, because I, I took it back myself personally. And um, and I said, I had to do all the paperwork for them to agree to give it to Bass or to Bigelow. Mm-hmm. But I said, we're not giving them the whole piece. We're just going to give them oh, half of it. Cut off a yeah. piece. So there's still a piece sitting there. So we sent a piece to Bigelow. Within one week, I got an email from Bigelow saying, well, the lab says it appears that it's not a known, or oh, it's an unknown polymer. It's mm. not that it's unknown to the planet. It's just not known, meaning it's not registered polymer. Mm-hmm. And when, well, that throws out everything that you could think that it could be like, you know, back a cigarette, hacking, right. and bubble gum yeah. or whatever. Throws all that away because everything you use for commercial purposes is registered. Mm-hmm. It has to be. And, um, and copyrighted too on top of that. Right. So well, this is great. And so I said, what's next? And I talked to the scientist there that was working in the lab. And he says, well, we're going to do uh, isotope analysis to see if this sucker's from this planet. And I went, yeah, stupid. And that's the last I heard of him. <laughs> How long ago was that? Well, no, that was years. That was a few years ago, right? This was before I found out that, you know, Bigelow worked for Pentagon. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a 2000 thing. Mm. So this was back in 2006 or 2005, somewhere around there. And, uh, or I forget, somewhere around that area. But okay. um, so for a year I tried, and it's in the book. I even drove to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. I didn't try to break in, but, you know, I was like outside, you know, trying to find someone I could talk to. But mm-hmm. um, in the book, it, that's what it made it look like. I was obsessed to try to break into Bigelow. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, nothing like breaking an entry, right? So, um, so anyway, a year later, I got an email back saying, "Oh, it was nothing. We sent the piece back." I went, "Yeah, okay." So, oddly suspicious. Let's, let's, let's go forward here. Let me get over here. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can capture a screen. Mm-hmm. Let's see screen. Let's see if this works. It's trying. Nothing's happening. Um, there, let's try this one. It's it's working. It's doing something. Yep. Did you see it yet? No alloy. Yeah, it's no alloy. alloy found in 1947 Roswell craft. Yeah, exactly. I, I just don't see the screen on my screen, so I didn't know that you could see it. So you see that little sucker right there? Oh, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Okay. So um, on June 3rd of this year, um, oh, I don't have to look at the camera now because you can't see me. So, so on June 3rd of this year, um, I was talking to Frank, um, who is uh, who works at the mil- He's a, a, a professor at the Military Institute in Roswell, Frank Kimbler, and mm-hmm. his degree is in geology. And we've been friends on and off for a few years. After I did the 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 dig 
and found a piece of metal there and we did the press release. Frank had moved to Roswell mm-hmm. and uh, and then he saw that stuff. He researched it and he found exactly where the debris site was and he went over there himself. And he's an avid gold hunter uh, with a metal detector and he actually found a couple of pieces, contacted mm-hmm. me. And then, so we've had this kind of like, you know, acquaintance back and forth. Well, this right. year, um, I was going to, both of us are lecturing in Roswell. I'm lecturing for the Roswell Daily Record, and he's lecturing for the museum. And I said, I want to go back. I want to go to the debris site, and um, I'm going to shoot some drone footage and pictures for the presentation. He mm-hmm. says, oh, cool. Let's go. And then I'll take. I'll bring my metal detector. Now, you have to understand that we have metal detect this place. I metal detected that place back in 2000. I metal detected again throughout the years. Um, MUFON organization out of Nevada had a bunch of people out on a TV show with all their metal detectors. Mm-hmm. And it turns out they're using the wrong metal detectors because even wow. metal detectors have different frequencies. The metal detector right. that finds these little suckers are the gold hunters. The metal mm. detectors like the Fisher Goldbug Pro, they're specially designed to find gold, so the frequencies are are different. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he found a couple pieces out there, and he gave me this one right over here. This was the area that, you know, this is the Roswell debris site. This is what it looks like out there. Mm -hmm. It's a desolate area. You know, it's two and a half of almost three hours to get out there. And the last part of it, you have to four by. You're on a county road, and then you have to get off a county road and four by on a ranch road. It's all BLM property where we are, so -hmm. we're not breaking any laws. So this is the front and back of the piece, and um, it kind of shows you, you know, the size. Yeah. What I had it analyzed uh, with a, a X-ray spectrometer because I had the last one analyzed back in two thousand or so, and you, and it shows up here that it is an aluminum alloy with all the different elements. You can see aluminum, some silicon, magnesium, manganese, iron, all kinds of cool stuff in here, right? Mm-hmm. So. Okay, this is cool. So now, oh, yeah, so I had it analyzed, right? And so I go, okay, I had the lecture on the 4th. I told Frank, I said, I want to go back to the debris site. He goes, can I go? I go, yeah, you're going with me. I said, but this time I bought my own Fisher metal detector because he had his. (laughs) So I bought my own within the time frame uh, of of June and, and July. We went back out there again. And um, this time using, there's a picture of Frank Kimbler and me out there mm-hmm. in the debris field. And we were out there with some people from uh, from the Roswell Daily Record. There's my truck out there. That's my Ram 2500. You have to have a cool looking truck if you're an investigator. That's just all there is to it. Definitely. Yeah, you can't go out there on a, in a Kia. <laughs> so we found some more pieces, right? And Using using uh you know the, the Fisher Goldbug Pros, we actually found a half a dozen more pieces out there. Mm. Some pieces were two to three inches in the ground, some were about eight inches in the ground. Okay. Now let me jump forward again. Let me see. Here's that forward that's backwards this way. I my apologies. No. So no that's worries. that's Frank Kibler. Um those these are more pieces. That's the around twenty five hundred I was telling you about. <laughs> that's uh, see, awesome. I was expecting you to say, "Hey, that's pretty awesome," but no, you didn't say that. So now I know why. <laughs> it is awesome. awesome. You can see it now. And here's some more. Here's some more of the debris that we found. 
I apologize for people watching this because you did mention that before the podcast. Is it a? Uh, is it rusty mirror? Is it just dirty? That's the iron deposits from, okay. from the soil sitting on it. But once you clean just, that sucker off, it's you know it's, it's clean. It's, yeah, it's clean. Yeah, because if I say aluminum doesn't rust, so. Yeah, so let me see. How do I kill it? Uh, stop? No. There should be <laughs> like a stop share screen or. Oh, there you go. Okay, so I'm going to go to the next one, back to share screen again. I'm getting this is the first time I've used Riverside, so I apologize. You're doing you good. You're a pro. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I'll try this one. Share. See if that pops up. Yep. Yep. Okay, that was. Let me let me stop that one again. I'm trying to get to the piece where. Um, Yeah, if you have multiple tabs open, you got to pick the right one because it'll like ask you. Okay, so this one right here, we'll do it again. I just want to make sure I got the right screen. Okay, so the little piece, let me scroll up. So we took the pieces that we found, mm -hmm. and and here's Frank. You know, there's his Fisher metal detector there, and we're sifting through it. And uh, these are the pieces that he found compared to the penny, and these are the pieces I found with my metal detector compared to the ruler. So then he went to Albuquerque to a lab there. I went to a lab in, in uh, Denver, and we both did electron scanning microscope analysis on it. Now, I, 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 the reason why I said it's $250 or $300 an hour because it cost me $600 to have one little piece scanned at the site. So this is what I'm saying that when people say, well, why don't you just do this? Why don't you do that? I'm like, why don't you just give me about $10,000 and I'll be able to do it, you know? Right. <laughs> but, you know, I really don't have a budget for this. I just, you know, if I have some extra money, I'll do it. So this is, it shows the electron scanning microscope there. And then what's really cool is uh, when you zoom in, I don't know if I can, if I can zoom Get a zoom on this. Yeah, that'll work. You can see a little better now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is at, um, I think it's like 15 micro, microns, I believe. It's pretty small. So if you look at, if you look at this, you can see where my cursor is. This is what the piece looks like in sub-micron. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's really, really unusual the way that even inside you can see cracks and gouges. And and the guys at both places that look at this, the lab here in Denver and the lab in Albuquerque, both said that the piece that we had or the pieces that we had analyzed appeared to have had came from something that exploded because the edges um, were jagged and and even melted in some cases. And then as they got in real close, they um, they could see it wasn't smooth. It was all kind of distorted like, like this. Mm -hmm. And really unusual. They said they haven't seen anything before. Now, if you look at the colored picture on the, on the right, mm -hmm. the different colors of dots is the type of metals that's in that. That tells mm -hmm. you it's an aluminum alloy because you can see all the different colors. Because when you scroll down, the ESM takes each one of the elements and shows you 
you know, right. or they are in in that one 10 micron or 50, I think it was 10 micron uh, zoom in. And a micron is like one times 10 to the minus ninth or something. So it's pretty small. So when you see a picture like this, it, sh it shows you it's an alloy. But here, oh, yeah. So here's a zoom in of that. So it's five microns on okay. this. You can see a little channel here. And it's it's really bizarre. And both of them said they really haven't seen anything, you know, this unique like that. But the Denver lab that I took it to, they deal with aluminum alloys. And they said, if this came from a company, one of my customers, I would have told them by looking at the edges and looking at the internals that whatever it was failed because it destroyed, okay. it exploded. And mm -hmm. whatever this was that we found, and it's not one piece, it's a few pieces that, that look like this, something exploded out there in the middle of the desert and over the years was buried in the ground. We dug it up and after it was cleaned, you know, and, and like you said, all the, the rust stuff was taken out because that was just the stuff from the minerals from the dirt. That's mm -hmm. what you get. And, you know, when you clean it, that's how it looks. Right. All nice and, and all nice and shiny, yeah. Um, this was just some samples he he had on uh, on his ESM, and then you know them putting it in the ESM. These machines aren't cheap; they're pretty expensive. The software alone is real expensive because it's you know it, it bombards the the inside. It's got to be completely sealed. It bombards it with rays and you know um, um, like high frequency radiation rays. And and disperses them, and then they have this these sensors. Depending on the reflection and how it's reflected off the metal, determines the type of minerals that's mm -hmm. on the metal. So it's it's pretty cool. And even these are Frank Kimbler's debris samples, and you can see aluminum, silicon, manganese, and a lot of the stuff that that I had on mine. So they're both they're all falling falling into um, an aluminum alloy. I'm gonna go back here. Okay, so they're all falling in, into aluminum. Alloy. Now, Frank, being a geologist as he is, he's real good at it. He's got a degree in it. <laughs> um, he's done some research, and these alloys fall into a six thousand series, and they're not registered. Because, wow! Because you because they have the means of plugging in all the elements mm -hmm. and to determine. Now, the machine here in Denver and the machine in Albuquerque could not identify the alloy. Now, mm -hmm. the ESM will tell you right off, this is an alloy 6,000 series, 6,500 to whatever number, mm -hmm. right? They'll say exactly. And then you look up that number and, oh, yeah, it's used, blah, 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 or it's used here. 3,000 series are usually aluminum cans, stuff like that. 6,000 series generally now are like beams, a big aluminum beams in, uh, in like battleships. Okay. Mm -hmm. Bizarre, bizarre, but nothing, nothing ever this thin. Mm -hmm. It's like, but but still, that's a registered alloy that's being used. These alloys are non-registered. In other words, they're unknowns. Now, Has it ever been uh, somebody tried to recreate that alloy? Now, here's the interesting thing. You guys, Army, Air right? Force, Air Force. I'm sorry, Air Force. I apologize. No I just insulted you. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's okay. It is an acronym. We'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure the Army guys are out there going, well, I don't think they've ever gone for a year deployment. They, theirs is only six months in a, in a hotel somewhere. 
That's Zach's in a hotel right now. Right behind me. So, yeah, actually, I'm in a hotel right now on Air Force TDY. So. <laughs> That's a jeopardy. Uh, I went to every one of the uh, the home games because we had to take care of the civilians, the drunk mm-hmm. civilians. Yeah. So I was for a while there, even though my boys are at Army, I was rooting always for the Air Force team because I was one of them. But basically, you, just, you knew better. So I knew better. Yeah. <laughs> I knew better until I was standing out in the in the field. Here I go off on a tangent, but I'm standing out in the field, working the field, and um, our guys came out and went, yay, our guys, cheer. Mm-hmm. And then the, the guys, the other guys was Brigham Young or something. I forget who it was, but mm-hmm. they were giants. And I go, we're going to yeah. die. <laughs> yeah. No, because the Air Force guys, they're, you know, they, they have to be a certain height, certain weight, certain, you know. Yeah. Like, these guys were just gorillas out there, and I'm going, we're going to die. Hope yeah. these guys you know, pull out guns or something to help protect them. But <laughs> the jets. So, so basically, <laughs> the elements are um, are non-registered elements. Mm-hmm. Now, um, uh, uh, let's see, Lieutenant Colonel Philip Corso. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, he was under General Trudeau uh, out of World War II. Uh, after the nineteen forty-seven incident of Roswell, where something came down, crashed, left debris everywhere. This is this is exactly where we're finding debris. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in charge of of dispersing unknown objects, artifacts from the Roswell debris site into the industry of the United States. And so it's in his book. It's called The Day After Roswell by Lieutenant Philip Colonel Corso. Mm-hmm. Um, highly decorated guy. He was responsible for getting a lot of our guys out of Nam, out of the concentration camps. So, Highly decorated guy, not a goof, right? And what I'm trying to say. So he basically said some of the stuff that came from Roswell 47 was filtered in to the technology, or or, or filtered into the to the labs uh, of the time. Some of them being in a university, some of them being private, like uh, IBM and, and other places like that. And then they were there. I there. Objective was to figure out exactly what it was and mm-hmm. what it's what it's used for or whatever. And his claim was fiber optics, transistors, and other things, you know, came out of it. So my claim is, if we're finding an aluminum alloy six thousand series out in the middle of the desert under that much dirt, mm-hmm. every, you know, in the middle of the desert, um, possibly some of it back in forty seven. Was reverse engineered, introduced into into um, our environment, and we're using it today for other things. This uh, is kind of one of one of the questions I wanted to ask ask you on your opinion is some of these things like the TikTok or the not TikTok the Tic Tac right the uh, Commander Fravor Tic Tac. Do you think how much of this stuff that you know they have released on on video? Do you think is actual off world technology being used by off world beings? Or do you think it is, you know, reverse engineered technology that we're testing against the best of our military to see how we react and not telling them? Well, I don't know if we're testing it against. Let's say it is our stuff reverse engineered. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we're testing it against our guys because people are seeing it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think our guys just happen to be in a location where they are mm-hmm. or they've been seen. Because there actually are cases in history where uh, UFOs have been hovering over nuclear sites and disarming the missiles. And you guys yeah. can look that up. 
So I was at uh, Malmstrom um, for for almost eight years. That's a pretty uh, famous story there. Yeah, so there you are, you know. And and people go, like, oh my god, how can they do that? They hacked the system. Yeah, you know, this was before Bluetooth. They had the Bluetooth back then. They were able to get in and do what they wanted to do. It's just technology. Mm-hmm. There's nothing scary about it, you know. And we'll get there too. Yeah. You know, eventually. Well, we're getting there right now. Screen share, same thing that um, that Rocket or when Iron Man did the Marvel mm-hmm. movie, first Iron Man. You know, that's what he did. He did a screen share. Is all he did. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, you're all going off again. So, <laughs> so basically, I I think that some of it could be reverse engineered, mm-hmm. but I also think some of it isn't reverse engineered. Now. Back in 2016, on July 3rd, my sister and I, uh, my sister Debbie Ziegelmeyer, is, uh, uh, she's on the board of directors for MUFON, and she's a mm-hmm. MUFON state director for mm-hmm. Missouri. And so we've both been investigators for a while. So when we lecture together, we like to go out at night when it's a clear night and play with our toys, mm-hmm. you know, our night vision stuff. So we drove, I had my truck, and when we drove uh, to an area where an artifact was found called the Roswell Rock, and I did the investigation on that. If you guys can, anybody wants to look up Roswell Rock, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But I happened to be in an area where the Roswell Rock was found, and there's supposedly UFO activity. And um, as soon as I pull up, and it's oh, it's a completely new moon night. You can see the stars, you can see the Milky Way, you can see everything. So I pull up in my truck just off the side of the uh, of, of a two lane highway on a dirt road. It's a little county road for a farm ranches. I kind of pivoted my truck. Matter of fact, I think we were we're facing east to west. Come to think of it, I was come to think of it. But mm-hmm. um, so I kind of pivoted my truck that way, and I got out of the truck, and I was going to pull the tailgate down, and we were going to look just see the tailgate and drink coffee and look at the stars. And when I pulled the tailgate down, I saw a flash of light. Mm-hmm. And my sister goes, "You see that?" And I go, "Yeah." I go, "Well, we get those in Colorado because at our altitude, sometimes." Meteors come in straight at you. You mm-hmm. don't see a tail. You just see, you know, right. and I've seen them out here. It's okay. That's no big deal. So we, we went out. Then we're, stand, we're standing on the side of the truck, and we're looking over the, the little mountain range where the Roswell Rock was found. And I said, I go, sis, you're going to have to really check this out. She's my older sister. And I go, uh, but she's shorter than me. So anyway. <laughs> older little sister. <laughs> older little sister, yes. And. And so uh, I said, check it out. I, I put new, I put these new lights on the front of my truck, and they were LED lights. I got a remote control, so if we're like 300 yards away from the truck, mm-hmm. and we need to know where the truck is or we need light, I could just hit the remote control. But now I'm standing about 10 feet away from the truck, and I go, but for some stupid reason, they put a strobe on this. I don't know why. But here, check out the strobe. It's kind of cool. I hit the button on the strobe, and it goes flash, 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 flash. Immediately, about 45 degrees off the horizon, Right in front of us to the left, we got two bright flashes responding to our flashes. Mm. Bright, 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 like moon bright. Not as big as the moon, not as big as like Jupiter or Venus. Like Mm -hmm. right now, if you go outside, is it Venus now? I forget. No, uh, Jupiter now. And um, it's real bright. And Mm -hmm. it's like, right. I'm I'm looking at my sister. I go, did you just see that? And you couldn't help not if I see it because our peripheral vision caught the first because it was so bright mm-hmm. and we saw it. So um, she goes, I think they responded to your lights. I go, you think so? She goes, yeah, try your lights again. So I did the, the strobe again, and immediately afterwards it was, I'm like, 
holy crap, I'm communicating with something. I grab my, my night now, night vision binoculars, and I'm looking out there, mm-hmm. nothing. I can see stars, but I can't see anything. Okay, I don't see a craft out there. I don't see anything. All I can see is stars. And I go, okay. She goes, we'll do it again. I go, let's, let's give it five minutes. I want to make sure this isn't something strobing out there, anything mm-hmm. like that that's repeating. And we did. We waited a period of time. I hit the lights again and immediately, wham, wham. I'm like, mm-hmm. holy mm-hmm. shit. So we're, now we're grabbing shit out of the truck. And, you know, there's something's coming down. I don't know what's going on. We're, you know, these are these are stuff, these are type of investigations that I do that mm-hmm. people tell me happened to them, you know, but not happened to me. And I'm like, holy shit, holy shit, you know. Now we got to, you know, so I'm trying, so I got the night vision out there, camera, and I'm shooting the air. I'm looking at nothing. And I'll tell you why in a little bit. But this thing that was talking to us could be the size of a basketball or softball. could be the same thing that happened to, to Rancher Miller. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that, but some people see them small and some people see them the size of a Volkswagen. It may only, core size may only be about that big or even that big. But 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 when they're doing things, the energy could could can expand and make it look it's large, you know, like it's larger. Right. So I'm watching this. I'm like, holy crap! So now I've got the night vision out. We can't find anything out there. And then this is a good story. So sorry it about it. But, so all of a sudden, it's about 15 minutes after that, about 9:30 at night, 9:45 or so, and it, it, everything just went silent, and you could hear a pin drop out there, and I'm going okay, what's going on, you know? Because before you could hear the cows, you could hear other things. Now, this time, we were about 25 feet away from my truck, my Ram 1500. We're about, you know, I guess about 25 feet away because we were walking down towards where the cows were starting to move and stuff. And I thought maybe Mm -hmm. something's going on, right? The lights in my truck went on. Now, I have, that. my truck had sensitive where you touch the handle it turns the lights on inside, and then it turns the parking lights on too. I, and the lights went on my truck. I'm going, oh, shit, <laughs> something's happening here now. Yeah. And I never go anywhere. I had my my you know without a gun. I had my 40 cal, got mm-hmm. 22 on my hip. And I'm looking around, and I don't see anything there. I'm looking with my night vision binoculars back at my truck. Is there something walking around my truck? Nothing. It just went on, right? Mm-hmm. And, and but at the same time they went on, I, I was getting the little hairs on my arm, you know. So it was a large EM field. Yeah. And of course the lights stayed on. And so I, I went back to the truck, looked around, and opened the door and closed it, and then the, and the lights went out. They didn't go off by themselves. I had opened the door and closed the door, and then it went off. Then I walked back over where my sister was, and we were still kind of scanning to see what's going on. Okay, what's going to happen next? And a vehicle drove by. And I saw a truck. She saw a sedan. And we were about oh, weird. We weren't that far away from the highway. We were just off the highway. We saw a vehicle go by. I mean, what the hell? He slowed down. He was watching us. I'm like, oh, that's just a rancher. He's just curious what we're out here for. He probably mm-hmm. saw us flashing the lights. She goes, that's not a truck. That's a car. I'm like, come on, sis. I know that's a truck. I have a truck. That's a mm-hmm. truck. She goes, I know what a truck looks like. Blah, blah, blah. Right now we're arguing. <laughs> anyway, the vehicle went down about an eighth of a mile. Turned off another road, dirt road, pulled towards us so they're just to, to my left, mm-hmm. and parked. And so I swung my my night owl glasses over to that area, and I could see it was like a male figure, got out of the vehicle, and closed the door and just kind of like looked like he crossed his arms and was just standing by his vehicle watching Whoa. us. 
trying to I'm intimidate going, you. And I'm going, am I B? <laughs> you know, am I B doesn't necessarily mean they're aliens. Am I B can mean exactly yeah. like in the movie mm-hmm. that they're, you know, they work for the government or, or whatever. Because this is a very high active area that we happen to be in. Maybe. And I have learned over the years that a lot of the high active areas have some small military facilities nearby mm-hmm. monitoring them. That ha- that's out here in Colorado, too. And so he's just there watching us. And my sister, who is kind of intuitive, you know, she says, uh, it's time to go. I said, you're right. It's, it's time to go. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I don't want to leave, right? And we hop in a truck and off we want. So now I'm wondering, when we first got there, was that flashlight really a meteor coming at me? Or was that the beginning of what was going on there? Mm-hmm. And like I said, this was the area where the Roswell Rock was found. This was an area where people have had UFO sightings in the past. So it's an active area, i.e. another Skinwalker Ranch area. Because mm-hmm. they're all over the United States. So, you know, just not Skinwalker. Any, you know, I, I bet if everybody checks their state, they have their own Skinwalker Ranch. They don't have to go to Utah. Right. But it's pretty cool. Now, you asked, we'll go back to that question. Do I think it's off-world? I think that was. Yeah. Yeah. So totally- how, how much of a relationship do you think personally that whatever aliens these are have with like our national government, just to be specific, do you think that there's some sort of, um, I don't know, co codependent relationship, or do you think that there's just a, um, we let you interact with us, but we're going to do what we want sort of thing. Well, um, there was a treaty that was signed. I apologize. It wasn't Edwards Air Force Base, or was it? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But there was a treaty. Supposedly, there's the stories out there, like the Dulce Papers with the, you know, mm-hmm. that's a whole story about Dulce in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. So there's a story out there that a treaty was signed between aliens and the acting president at the mm-hmm. time at an Air Force Base. And, um, and the treaty said basically that um, we trade. You mm-hmm. you give us technology, we give you people and access right. to, to our country and our facilities. Now, when you say give us people, the part of the treaty was you know that they wanted the you know, aliens wanted to study the humans. The military wouldn't intervene as long as you don't harm the humans. Mm-hmm. Now we do know, and you know, being in the military, that in the history and even now probably that. The military does use humans and soldiers as guinea pigs. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, the, it, clearly during the, the atomic age, when they were, had above ground explosions, they had poor army soldiers sitting out there on lawn chairs mm-hmm. getting blasted yeah. by tons and tons of radiation. Mm-hmm. You know, see how, put these glasses on, they'll protect you. <laughs> right. You know? No, that wasn't the case, but they didn't know. Now we know. So um, that was supposedly. The treaty, and then supposedly the treaty uh, was broken at one point, and that was uh, when Bob Lazar came into S four to Area fifty one, where there was a confrontation between aliens and MPs and scientists, and and the aliens won basically, and the MPs and scientists didn't, right? And they were killed basically. Mm-hmm. That's how that story goes. And so they were looking for new scientists, and that's where Bob Lazar comes into the picture. I interviewed uh, Dr. Roger, uh, Robert Lear, no, Dr. Lear. Oh, I'm sorry. That's somebody else. Um, the guy from Lear Jet. Mm-hmm. I guess he okay. is Roger. Yeah. Um, so there's Dr. Lear who does the implants, and there's, I think, Roger Lear 
That's uh, L-E-E-R. Mm-hmm. The other one's L-E-A-R. Um, and I interviewed him, and he said that he was one of the people that um, that had brought up uh, uh, Bob Lazar, mm-hmm. you know, to the CIA to recommend him for S-4. Right. He said yeah. he used to fly for the CIA. Anyway, so um, so you have that whole thing, too. So it's hard to say. Do you think we're working together still? We could still be working together, you know, um, mm-hmm. and not. Sure. Yeah. But they're not telling you and I. They're just uh, they're doing it on their own. And like you said, I have been contacted. I mentioned this earlier. I have been contacted twice years ago. Um, first off, when we found the metal piece at Roswell, mm-hmm. when I first got my first got a cell phone, cell phone numbers weren't that, you know, popular out. Mm-hmm. My cell phone rings, and it was about this time. I guess it's nine. No, it's ten o'clock your time, is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was about nine o'clock, nine thirty my time here in Colorado. Oh no, you're behind. You're before me. Yeah, it's just after eight, eight o'clock. Yeah. yeah, cool. All right. Um, I got a phone call, and it was a very nice man, man, mm-hmm. you know, male voice, uh, Mr. Zukowski. I understand that you found some material at Roswell. You had to analyze. Can you? Explain what you found, what it looks like. Da, 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 da. I said, mm-hmm. "What do you want? I'll tell you everything." And I did. I t- we about fifteen minutes on the phone. I told him everything. I said, "It's on my website too. If you want to check out the website, I'm not mm-hmm. hiding anything from anybody. Um, you know, and I can even tell you where it's at." And I told him where it's at. Mm-hmm. He said, "Thank you very much." And da, da, very polite. Well, go a couple years down the road. I do a rash of animal mutilation investigations, cattle mutilations here. I forget if it was 90, 2009, I think it was, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Just There was just, God, it, I don't know what was happening, but it was just crazy. Yeah. And another time, 9.30 or so at night, I get my cell phone rings and I get a call. And it's a very nice, polite gentleman. I can't tell you if it's the same guy. Mm-hmm. This is years later. Asking me questions about mutilations. You know, what do you think they are? What happens? Da, 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 how are they doing it? Da, 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 da. And I asked her all the questions, and he said, thank you very much. And I said, if you have any more questions, feel free to call. So and was I talking to someone within the government? Mm-hmm. Or was I talking to people from the Pentagon that was funding Robert Bigelow? Mm-hmm. At the time, I didn't know that. I just thought I was talking to someone within the government. Now I seem to think that maybe there would be two entities, one that now we know of, mm-hmm. which is the Pentagon. that has been going on for a while. And there's still uh, uh, another one, you know, embedded within that one that actually, like you said, kind of knows what's going on and and how to track things. And but these, hasn't, hasn't told our fighter pilots yet. Do these numbers pop up like where you could see the numbers, or do they just show up as like unknown or or something like that? You know, I kind of don't remember. It was like no caller ID, I think, at the right. time. Okay, yeah. so the numbers Nowadays, was masked to you. Yeah, it was masked. But nowadays, you know, you know, you can buy, you can go to sites to buy a card, or you can call your friend up, definitely, and and you know, use your friend's mom, dead mom's cell phone number, and mm-hmm. freak them out or something. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy now. They're trying to keep that technology wise. I think it's kind of harder now with the with the iPhones. Some of the cheaper phones, they can do that still too. So what what would you say is probably the the highest level of like C level encounters that you've had personally? Um, like you you get what I'm trying to say. Like you 
what's it? There's there's different levels, right? So close encounters, first kind, second kind, third kind. I'm not. I'm definitely not as as knowledgeable as you, which is which is why we reached out, right? Um, but what would you say has been the most um, significant personal experience you've had doing this throughout your your time? Okay, well, I could tell you one, and okay. we're going to go back into that dimensional because I'm you know I'm not really I wasn't really I'm very analytical, mm-hmm. and so um you know the dimension things is uh, I've seen in the past where people it's just an easy you know, uh, solution to say, oh, it's dimensional. Mm-hmm. Or, well, not necessarily. It's other things, too. It could be, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, speed, cloaking devices and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now, seriously, I mean, I've been in cases where, you know, the light, right? You know, I just talked about that scenario, a place over in San Luis Obispo. Um, um, you know, there was a Bigfoot investigation we we're doing, and it turned out to be a UFO investigation or UFO sighting, and there were flashes of light. The batteries in my cameras drained. And shit hit the fan then, and then something I could hear something screaming in the background, like an elk running for its life, and right, and then all of a sudden just died. That was in, that was the first chapter in the book of mm-hmm. of uh, Thirty Seven Parallel, mm-hmm. and then and then I seen a craft. You know, um, we were on vacation coming from I forget where it was, but we were in Kansas. Uh, no, we were in yeah Kansas, coming into Colorado early in the morning. Early, early in the morning, everybody's asleep in the RV. It was my in-laws RV I'm driving. Yeah. And I see a metallic craft from behind a hill, a barrel roll up and go into the clouds. And I'm going, skunk works, I bet. You know, because because it looked like it was more terrestrial than extraterrestrial because of the barrel roll and leveling mm-hmm. off the clouds to be hidden, right? Right. And then other times it's just balls of light I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um and then they've experienced things too, like I said, with that, you know, seeing the, the, the phantoms and stuff. Okay, so now the scariest part. So um, I guess, I don't know, 24, 25, we've been here 24 years, about 26 years, I guess, ago. Um, you know, through this whole um, remote viewing. You guys are familiar with remote viewing? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yes. there was even a, mov- a movie, was it with Clooney, was it? Oh, the men uh, who stare goats. Stare goats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the movie that, that men who stare goats is based actually on a project that military did have. The mm-hmm. military had on remote viewing, and mm-hmm. they probably still have it. And people claim they can remote view. Mm-hmm. So I go, and they said anybody can do it. So I go, you know what? I'm going to practice this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Bad decision. Give it a shot. Bad decision. You okay. know. Uh, you know. Uh, don't go out of your realm of expertise mm-hmm. because, you know, now I'm going, I'm drifting into more of a, I don't want to say spiritual. Metaphysical. But, you know, me- yeah, metaphysical, I guess. Or But so real quick, um, the training that I was doing was we lay in bed and before you're in that rim, but you're not in the rim, you're still aware of your surroundings and you look at a movie screen theater. Mm-hmm. It's an inside theater. You look at the screen and you visualize the screen. You do this every night, right? For like a period of three, four weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you visualize the screen. And each night you visualize more details. This curtains, you know, the top of the curtains. And then you visualize more detail, you know, the pattern of the curtains and on and on and on. And, on. and then when you get to the point where you can see the seats sitting in front. So mm-hmm. now you're visually visualizing everything just really clear like you're looking at a picture. 
When you get there, you're past the, the first step. The second mm. step is to put in a red apple or, or put an, yeah, a red apple in the screen. Okay. The white screen. So now you're looking at everything before and you put an apple on the screen and you're visualizing the apple, every the stem, everything, all the, you know, the little dots on the apple. The third step, once you get to that point, now it's going into the third step. The third step is to rotate that apple. Okay. So you visualize. Now you're, you're including a three-dimensional. And I started to rotate the apple. I looked up and I was a shadow figure in my doorway staring at me. Oh, my God. It gives me goosebumps right now. I swear to God, on the Bible, I will take a polygraph. If anybody wants to pay for the polygraph, I won't. (laughs) But (laughs) uh, I I saw this thing staring at me. And it was a cloaked figure. Um, It kind of reminded me of, you know, of the old spaghetti Western days with the Mm -hmm. long, you know, the jacket and the kind of a – it had like a brim hat and the the whole bit. You know, maybe that's how I experienced it. But yeah, um, I was going to say hat man. He looked like, yeah. Well, I didn't know that mm-hmm. back then. Yeah. We didn't have that back then. Mm-hmm. So um, now, now people have seen him, hat man. Yeah, and I didn't common. know that until, until I got involved in ghost investigations. And yeah. I was at one of the ghost investigations, one of their lectures, a symposium out here. And one guy was talking about the different types of people that ghost investigators have seen. They've seen this spirit. They've seen this one, this one. And then this guy, we don't know who he is. But they call him Hat Man. I'm like, oh my god, I saw him years ago, you know. Yeah. And I always thought I made it up. I thought it was just my mind going crazy. But mm-hmm. he was staring me down, and I could see detail, but not a lot. It was like a shadow detail along his face and his mm-hmm. jawline. I could see, you know, almost like lidar. You guys have played yeah. with lidar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's a project I'm working on right now is the optics for a lidar system for the military, mm-hmm. maybe, but uh, it's commercial use right now. But the thing is, is, um, you know, I could see like, no, yeah, it was like light arguments, except it was all shadow. Mm-hmm. And he was just staring me down. And I, my heart was probably a whole bit like that. And he just went, and it's gone. And I said, uh, I'm not going to ever do that again for the rest of my life. I wonder if you were like that's opening yourself up. Yeah, that's yeah. when I realized that, you know, there's some people, you know, maybe my metabolism, maybe my, you know, my frequency, I, you know, I'm not in that intuitive. My sister's intuitive. She's seen shadow people. She's seen spirits. I haven't, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm very analytical. So I'm very, I don't want to say closed-minded, but I, but, you know, I look at details and data and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it totally just flipped me out. And even to this day, I mean, if I saw an alien, that'd be the only thing that would probably, you know, <laughs> remind me or make me forget about this other guy over here, the hat man guy. God, running I mean, main, talk about right now, you know, it's just kind of a scary thing to, to remember. Yeah, the, like main theory of him is that he's like interdimensional, or like he's like a gatekeeper kind of, or he's like gaining knowledge from our dimension or something, and he's like taking it back. Like that's the idea, apparently. Um, so that's maybe what I, maybe he noticed you, and he like you've been doing it for like a couple of weeks, so you're kind of like maybe you're like a light blinking, and he's like, huh. Someone's trying to come through, and he comes up to you, like, stop it. And then he, like, leaves. Once I you know? got the apple to start to move, yeah. that was when I was, I was opening the door. Right. Um, see, I was afraid that it was like a Grim Reaper, you know, or something. Right. I don't yeah. know. I have no yeah. idea. You, know, you have to, when you're an investigator, you have to think of, you can't leave anything out. Everything's on the table. 
Mm-hmm. Some people go, well, that's just stupid. Well, not really, because if you ever Mm-mm. sit down at a table in an office and, and okay, you brainstorm ideas, every idea goes on the table, no matter how stupid it sounds. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the ones that sound the most stupid are the ones that are the best. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. there's flashes of creativity that people are throwing. So that's the same thing in ufology. Everything's on the table. Same thing with me with religion. I, I, I tend not to stay with one religion or the other. Kind of, everything's kind of open because I don't mm-hmm. know. What if I mess up and I'm on the wrong religion? You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that I know for a fact that from doing ghost investigations that I've communicated with life after death. You know, I've, I've, I've got responses back and forth and I've, and I've seen the shadow figures and stuff. So I feel a little more comfortable now about life after death or dying because I think I think maybe our energy does move. Yeah, it just kind of moves on. But that's that pretty much scared the hell out of me. Um, that was scared the hell out of me. You know, I mean, I even see book, uh, Bigfoot footprints in Bailey, Colorado. And when we were, I was doing some Bigfoot investigations, too, because we've had UFO sightings with Bigfoot sightings. And uh, I thought it was just cool. Well, look at that. 18-inch or 19-inch footprints. That's pretty cool. Never thinking this thing could be nine, nine feet tall, 600 pounds. Watching you. You know, and rip the you. Right yeah. Off. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Coming around uh, the corner. Yeah, so pretty cool stuff. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've been doing this for such a long time. I, a lot of investigators have a tendency of staying on one subject. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I'm just kind of like it all. You're like a renaissance So that's man. why I kind of ventured out to UFOs, animal relations, and then, and then Bigfoot and ghosts. And then I'm finding out that it, it all has one common denominator, too, and that's electromagnetic fields. Mm-hmm. But you don't know that unless you do them all. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, and then I was talking about how can you find a Skinwalker Ranch, you know, near you? Or, mm-hmm. or so. What you basically do is, is based on my 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 latest theories, is you look across the U.S. or you look across your own state or whatever, where there might be high levels of UFO activity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just where there's been a few sightings, then you then you look at that place and then you look underground. Mm-hmm. Is there a water source nearby? Is there a lake? Is there mm-hmm. a, or is there an aquifer? And then if not, then you look to see if there's petroleum. Mm-hmm. Because if there's petroleum products like, uh, you know, well, um, crude oil, okay, mm-hmm. even, you know, gas, right? You can extract hydrogen from crude oil and you can from, and well, from fossil fuels. You can extract hydrogen. During the high, uh, extraction period, you'll pick up high levels of EMF. Mm-hmm. So what you do is if you pick those areas that have the low a uh, little bit higher UFO sightings, if they have underground aquifers, well aquifer by definition is underground, but you know, aquifers <laughs> or lakes and or, or crude oil or deposits, go to that area, sweep different parts of that area with an EMF meter, you start picking up high levels of EMF, you got a skinwalker ranch there. Yeah. And that's what I've done a couple of times and it's worked out so far. Man. Not every place in the U.S. I mean, I just live in Colorado. So. Right. So what what's the significance then for people listening of the 37th parallel that makes it so different than any other place along that so line? We have, as humans, we have highways that we go on. Mm-hmm. Inter- you know, Interstate 40 and 70, uh, Highway 66, you know. Mm-hmm. So we have our own turnpikes. Well, it, it turns out that 
on the 37th parallel, a little bit in the 38th, a little bit down in the 36th, you can hit every aquifer under the, you know, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Not only that, there's a lot of underground caverns mm-hmm. too, but there's a water source that shoots across the top. Then you start looking at that and you say, okay, so what else is kind of significant on the 37th parallel that, that may make it sound pretty cool? Well, Dulce, New Mexico, the Dulce mm-hmm. base, mm-hmm. which is an alien, supposed alien human base. Then you have Talos, New Mexico, which was a Talos home. Then mm-hmm. you have Area 51 is on the, on the 37th. Then you have places in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And then you have the, the Mantell incident or something. Anyway, you have a lot of UFO, major UFO and, uh, events that happened. And then there's some Native American spiritual sites, too. Mm-hmm. Chuckle Canyon's off a little bit. But there's, you know, Aztec and a few also in that. So... There was just a lot going on when I started researching it and um, realized and what it hit me was when we had a cattle mutilation on the 37th parallel in Trinidad, which is the 37th parallel. We had a cattle mutilation there in three days. We had a cattle mutilation exactly on the 37th parallel in Missouri. Wow. Joplin mm. spook lights for, on the 37th parallel within, within three days. Now, cattle mutilations, they don't happen singular. They happen either twos or threes. And it could be two or threes happening at one place, mm-hmm. or it could be two or threes happening in different states, but they all happen within about a week of each other. Right. So it's so pretty cool. The, the entirety of this, the cattle mutilation thing has always been incredibly interesting to me because I don't really understand why. And that is, that's yeah. the biggest thing that intrigues me, right? You talk about UFOs, you talk about people being abducted, people visiting, you know, and if you look at us like an anthill, right, you, we're being observed and you inspect and, you know, it's everything that a, you watch a little kid messing around with an anthill does. Try to pick up the ants, watch them, kick the anthill over, all this stuff. You know, where the anthill to these, you know, potential, these beings that are, you know, maybe so much more advanced and smarter than, than we are. But the one that just doesn't make sense to me, like why, what the purpose of this is. You're You're going to a herd. You're taking a cow away. You're exsanguinating it. You're removing these seemingly, you know, insignificant pieces from it. Obviously, an udder is significant to you know to the cow, but why? You know, so in this process, and you've gently done gently putting it back, gently, yeah. put, gently <laughs> yeah. putting it back. And why cattle? What is it with the? What's the purpose of exsanguinating an animal? What's in? You know, you would think if you're going through that process to take the blood, you have a need for it. But is, you know, we don't know that. I can't know that answer. And that's one of the biggest things that makes that so scary. And to me, like I've been asked this question before, what terrifies you more? Something like demonic possession or alien abduction? And I guess like for me, I I would say alien abduction because there's that sense of autonomy you have as a human being that, you know, you're your person, you're here on, on planet earth, right? You could get hit by a car tomorrow or get murdered or things like that. But if you're taken off this planet, like there's no recourse to that. You can't get back. You're gone. You have no idea what's happening to you. You know, these stories like Travis Walton, that is absolutely terrifying. You know, ruin this guy's life, these, these experiences and how many people have disappeared and you'll never hear from them again, you know? So what's yeah, the really purpose? Really marriage too. <laughs> right. For sure. You know, all these, all these terrible things happen to him in this experience. And if you've ever seen, you know, and I'm sure you have Chuck, but like anybody listening, seeing that movie fire in the sky, that's one of the scariest movies to me. Like, 
That's amazing. That's awesome. You know, awesome. but it, just looking at watching that movie, like those, those scenes are, are terrible. I couldn't even imagine going through that. They are. I mean, I, I've, I've lectured with Travis in the past couple of times mm-hmm. and we've sat down and talked about it. And I asked him, you know, um, when they fixed you, have you ever, have you ever been really sick since then? Cause it's, what was it? 75 or 76, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And he says, no, I've never really, it'd be interesting now to see whether or not he caught COVID and, but you know, I just I told back then they fixed you pretty good, you know, like they, they tweaked your immune system or something, mm-hmm. but he's the only guy that I know that have seen two separate species. He's seen the grays really? and he's seen the tall, what do we call them? The Nordics or the tall blondes or the giants. They I have didn't different know that. Names. The, the, uh, yeah, because then when he was in the craft, he woke up and there was this thing, apparatus over his chest. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, off oh, these little grays are like looking at him. He mm-hmm. was like 19 at the time. He jumps into his Bruce Lee karate moves. Yeah. He never studied karate before in his life, but that's the first thing you think of. Mm-hmm. And these little guys take off running, right? And then he goes to leave the little room that he's in, and he's a tall guy. I think he's, what, 6'4", too? Somewhere on 6'4". Mm-hmm. Anyway, he's pretty tall. I have to look up to him when I talk to him. But, and I'm 5'10". So mm-hmm. um, when he left the room, the corridors in the craft were really narrow, and it was hitting his shoulders. Okay. Really narrow. And he could, and it curves so much that he couldn't see where what was around the corner. Mm. And so he's in a panic mode trying to get out of there. And even more, because it's sort of claustrophobic, and he goes into this one room that looks like the star room or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, then what appears to be an astronaut, he thought, you know, a human came in to escort him out of there. And when they took the helmet piece they had on, you know, they, they were very, very light complected with dark blue eyes offset a bit. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, and that's the other beings that our Native Americans have talked about. Right. I've talked to Apache and I've talked to Navajo elders. Mm-hmm. And um, they always mention like four species of aliens or four right. species of things. Five, you want to count us. Okay. Homo sapiens. But then you have the blues. The blues are are what we call leprechauns, Tommyknockers, Manahunis. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually wrote a blog about that, and people are still seeing all three. You know, we mm-hmm. were in Hawaii uh, during COVID. I actually talked to someone on the Big Island, and they still have Manahuni signings mm-hmm. there. I was in mm-hmm. Ireland um, last year. Um, turns out you can use your passport for other than a cruise. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> for the same price, you know. Right, right. So, so I told my wife, we'll just go to Ireland. Okay. So, and then I talked to some people and uh, people way out, you know, we were on trips, uh, tour trips and just normal people that were living in the villages and asking about leprechauns. And you, mm-hmm. you don't want to talk to me. You know, they don't like to be talked about. And I'm like, whoa, they're serious about this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and Tommy knockers too, you yeah. know, in minds. Then you have uh, the ant people. Now the ant. Oh, so the blues come out of the mountains from what okay. the Native American. The ant people come out of the ground. That's why they're called ant people. Mm-hmm. But they're grays. Now they're not called ant people because of their eyes. They're called ant people because of they come out of the ground. Now we don't know whether or not that's actually an eyelid or an eye piece over mm-hmm. their eyes. You know that goes back to Roswell, where their eyes are similar to ours, and they just have these, you know, uh, organic covering, right? Uh, like a like a, a eyelid. Mm-hmm. always clothes that you can see through. It's probably the best way 
because um, they work in dark areas, I guess. I don't know. There's a lot of theories on that. Anyway, so that's the ant people. Then you have the snake people, which turned out to be reptilians. Mm-hmm. Now, the reptilians are the bad guys. They're the ones that order the uh, the, the greys around or the ant people around. They leave the they leave the blues alone because the blues will kick their ass. <laughs> oh, know? okay. You know you don't want a, you don't want a uh, leprechaun mad at you. <laughs> you <know>? Right. <laughs> They'll take you. Steal those lucky charms. Yeah, exactly. So it was funny because I asked <laughs> one of the Native Americans about that, and and uh, they said, "Oh no, no, they they don't mess with the blues. We don't mess with the blues either, you know, because uh, you know they're badass." Mm-hmm. And uh, and then then they had what they call the giants, which we call the Nordics or the tall blondes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the tall blondes are the ones like you know. It, they all have, except for the the blues, they have a permanent residence here. The other guys have, you know, like townhomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they come visit from now and then. And the tall blondes kind of, kind of keep. They're like, they're like the uh, Starfleet, mm-hmm. you know, where where they try to keep everybody in check and and you know don't mess up, uh, you know, don't mess things up. And yeah. that's the stories. With Alien Highway, we we're over by the Skinwalker Ranch, and uh, I was to. Uh, interview a youth elder mm-hmm. on camera and we just have so much stuff going on there outside of Skinwalker Ranch that we filled up. You know, we, we could have done two episodes. Yeah. Matter of fact, we were going to do a second episode if we had a second season because we had so much material and we didn't get mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. um, I was talking to him, prepping him to be on camera and I asked, and I said, yeah, so the youth American tribes, I've talked with Navajo Apache and they have their own names for Bigfoot, you know, Sasquatch. And he goes, yeah, our name is, and I forgot, blah, blah, blah. And I said, and the Star Travelers, you know, oh, yeah, our name is, yeah, of course. And they're all about that. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, the Greys are really uh, fascinating. He goes, oh, you mean the da-da-da. And he told me the Ute name for a Grey alien. Okay. It's never heard of that. I've never heard of that before. Me neither. I've heard Star Travelers. I've heard, you know, visitors, blah, blah, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, different names from the different tribes. But I've never heard an actual Native American name for a gray alien. Do you remember what it was? Oh no, I was I was mm. in shock when I heard it. But right. it was a youth. So it wasn't anything you know, I mean, um the whole reason of, of Skinwalker and I and it's hard to pronounce some of these these names like Yi Nalushi. Mm-hmm. That's Navajo for Skinwalker. Okay. Yi Nalushi is a skinwalker. Skinwalker is is our name for Yi Nalushi. Mm-hmm. So the Utes were the Utes were trading. They were they were fighting the Navajos for Colorado. They already had Utah, mm-hmm. and then so they would kill off the Braves, and then they would capture the women and the children. They would sell the women and the children. Sorry, guys, but this is history. Yeah. They would sell the, the women yeah. and the children to the Spaniards. Mm-hmm. So they introduced introduced slavery to the country way before the Europeans migrated here. Because mm-hmm. they were they were trading slaves for horses and guns, and they became really really good at shooting guns on horseback, mm-hmm. and they were kicking the Navajos ass left and yeah. right, and driving them out of Colorado. You can read all this stuff if you're ever in Colorado or Utah. It's part of our right. history. Here. I'll be but, there at the um, beginning in November. Oh, cool. Um, so um, the Navajo, their only defense was to curse the Ute tribe with the Skinwalker. So mm-hmm. they cursed him with, you know, Lushi. So even when I mentioned the word Skinwalker, he stopped me and said, don't mention the word. Mm-hmm. Just say that thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And never, you because you're inviting them. So mm-hmm. even now, the 21st century, 
talking to a Native American elder Ute, very respectful of yeah. the skinwalker. This isn't just myth to them. It's not myth mm-hmm. to them. It Earlier is, when you were talking, I felt like you um, may have had an experience of your own with something like that shapeshifter, skinwalker sort of thing, cryptid, whatever you want to call it. Did I did I pick up on that or am I... Am I... Well... <sighs> Yes and no. I mean, I've done I've done a few I've done a few um, investigations. Mm-hmm. Not not a whole lot. Just just a few on skin are on skinwalkers or shapeshifters. Mm-hmm. And um, one time in Missouri, uh, it was over by shit 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 Marley Woods, Missouri. Okay, and that's where I actually filmed a, a ball of light. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw what I thought could have been. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was kind of like one of these eerie feelings, and you see the shadow go by and stuff, and then then you see something run off, and mm-hmm. I can't tell you that was a case, but it kind of reminded me of of the investigations of 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 the you know skinwalkers out here in Colorado right before COVID hit. My daughter and I we did an investigation in, near Cripple Creek, Colorado, mm-hmm. and a guy was living off the grid. Four of his goats, one was killed. Well, three of his goats was killed. One was taken. One survived. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it was just a strange animal death. When he got there, um, they had puncture marks on the side of their neck. It's like the Chupacabra, chupacabra thing, right? <laughs> I always thought that was a joke. Yeah, you know, you know I, I think thought. when the first time I heard about the Chupacabra was probably was a teenager, and it did at first sounds like just some sort of myth, you know. But the more I've gotten older the more I have sort of cemented my belief system that these things are real, whether they exist and they're just really, really good at hiding. Or like you said, you know, the easy explanation of their interdimensional or whatever I do, yeah. I think, I think that they exist and call me crazy, whatever. I don't care. It's just my belief systems, you know, that I do. I think that those are legitimate. And I think that they get discounted because they come from groups of people who have less of a voice. I feel like, you know, I think so. I mean, you can't deny physical evidence. And I mean, somewhere on my website, because I wrote a blog on it, there's actually pictures mm-hmm. of, the, of the dead goats with the right. blood on them. That's neck. crazy. And the one that's Are they exsanguinated also? I to maybe not to the same degree, or I think I don't know if if it was if they if they were drained of blood completely or, mm-hmm. or died due to right you know loss the bite mark, but but one. One uh, was taken, mm-hmm. and part of the fence was the wire fence was bent down. Where whatever took it hopped the fence and took it back. Saber tooth tiger, I don't know, but you know, yeah. But it, um, and That's I picked up high too. EMF on that fence mm-hmm. right where that happened. But I later learned that um, that if you take metal, you know, that's been that way forever, and you alter it. Mm-hmm. You're altering the electrons and protons, so mm. you can create a little bit of an EM field because you're altering something that's been sitting one way okay. and now you're altering the other. So just you sort of recreate you know, that. You just have to think about that type of stuff. So, mm-hmm. but him and his neighbor, I've asked if they've seen anything else unusual, and they've both had seen shadow people, mm. uh, similar to the one that I've seen, where uh, they don't walk; they kind of like a mm-hmm. little Whoa. scary. It's yeah, so crazy. Uh, Trevor's thinking about it. But yeah, it's kind of scary looking. <laughs> it's so crazy how much of these things just sort of tie together. You know what I mean? Because before I started having these conversations with people like you, I I used to think that like these all just kind of existed. 
you know, shadow people were in the paranormal haunting realm, you know, and then I started realizing mm-hmm. that it's not, it exists in this other space as well. So it's just kind of wild just how much there is this overlap, you know, and I've talked to other people and they're talking about like having this unified theory of understanding of like what all this is. And it's just, it's really intriguing to me that maybe just we can't see all this other stuff is there like you know animals can't pick up on certain colors on the spectrum but we can you know that we're maybe there's Mm -hmm. just so much going on around us all the time we just can't see it because of our eyes you know it's kind of like what well yeah i think um the main thing with like bigfoot you know people ask me well how come bigfoot hasn't been found yet well because a they haven't been introduced to technology yeah b Mm -hmm. their eyes are heightened their hearing is heightened mm-hmm. because they haven't been introduced to technology yeah you know where people like me have tinnitus from you know playing guitar you can't see in the background mm-hmm. you can see the neck of stuff. it and uh and and then uh, i read a study a few years ago that the human eye can actually see infrared mm-hmm. and they did they were doing a study with with subjects and they're and the majority of subjects they would flash a, a, a light they would mm-hmm. flash a infrared light and the eyes majority of this of their test subjects not all of them the eyes would, would twitch a little Dark. so the eye was actually responding to what the light was doing to it but the brain wasn't so they, they were going, i don't see a thing but when they were looking at their eyes their eyes were like drink drink you know so the eyes probably are similar to how like your brain like you know your nose is right here yeah. all the time your brain it. yeah now now i can see your <laughs> nose thanks for that yeah. <laughs> i'm very aware but that's the case, though, because, you know, uh, as we get more and more introduced to technology, um, we, we our brain will actually take over mm-hmm. and eliminate things that we don't need. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've seen the studies where you'll see a sentence and every third word is misspelled. But because it's a common word, we just read it. Yeah. You know, the fox yep. took over, da, 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 da. but if you read each word, it's misspelled. Mm-hmm. And, but yet we look at the word going, well, that's what it means. That's because yeah. our brain yeah. has decided, okay, we don't need to be that detailed. I'll just figure it out for you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what's happened. Now, Bigfoot, though, on the other hand, okay, his eyes or their eyes can probably still see infrared. That's mm-hmm. why they see infrared flashes from the game cameras. Right, makes sense. And if their if their hearing is 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 good, then they can hear the the pitches when the so. Now I got to tell you this. So I, I set some cameras out um, when I did a couple of Bigfoot investigations. Moultrie cameras, so they're good game cameras, mm-hmm. not the cheap ones. And I, I, after a week, I was getting pictures of deer actually posing in the camera. They would look you know, for the picture, and I went, right. "What the hell?" So I called up um, technical support. At Moultrie, and, and I said, so what's going on? And he goes, well, you know, these cameras have got, you know, their infrared or, or their sonar, mm-hmm. right? And the infrared is basically for the light, and the sonar is to, is to snap the picture or, or to start the video. And a sonar is at a certain beam, just like on a submarine. And if it hits something and bounces back, it, it twitches, it changes, you know, yeah. it, it, and they hear that. The deer's picking it up and looking at it, like, what's that? And the right. they, they can yeah. pick it up and look at it, you know? Hearing the headlights. And I'm going, okay, well, now maybe Bigfoot's doing the same thing. I'm even counting it. Yeah. I actually had cows, you know, look over at a, you know, at, at a game camera. But, mm-hmm. but cows are very in tune to the environment. So yeah. it kind of makes sense. So Bigfoot is way more taller than we say they are. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sheep, on the other hand, are kind of stupid, but cows are. <laughs> yeah, but um, cows will cows will remember people, 
know their names. They're yeah. like they're, they're like dogs. on the same. Yeah, they're like dogs. They're pretty, pretty sheep. smart. Sheep just you know during a, a fire, a ground fire, they'll just huddle up. Right. You know, and die together. And die right there. Yeah. yeah. Or, or or they'll they'll go to the fence and they stop. They don't realize the fence goes both ways. Mm-hmm. They just go to the end and go, okay, we're, this is it. As far as we can go, we're going to die. Well, you know, if you just go left, there's a road there, you can leave, you know. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the cow will go to the fence and he'll walk the or they'll walk the fence. And mm-hmm. hey, you're right, though. But so, so Bigfoot, you know, they're very in tune to their environment. They can tell when the environment changes. Now, here's one for you. And I know you guys are going to agree with me on this. Okay. Okay. We all have ESP. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do we yes. go? Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, okay. I think so. All right. But would you, now some people out there going, no, that's stupid. We don't have it. Okay. So you've heard of women's intuition. Mm-hmm. And that does work. That's you know, for if sure. You're, if you're with a person, and I don't, and it's, I don't want to be sexist, but that's what they used to call it women's intuition. Mm-hmm. Now it's just a person who is intuitive. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. back in the day, it was called women's intuition. If you're with the wife or your, your mom or whoever, girlfriend and, and they just had this feeling mm-hmm. you know it's it's not right let's get out of here okay that's form of vsp now we call that being intuitive mm-hmm. so if you're ever sitting in your car or you're at a restaurant and you just feel like someone's staring at you yeah but you're out of your peripheral vision and you turn mm-hmm. around yeah. and sure enough oh yeah what is that how did we know we're being stared at that's a yeah. form of vsp yeah mm-hmm. now, some people have it's more in tune than us you know than others but but it all goes back down to that frequencies again, where you're not actually seeing them, mm-hmm. you're picking but up that energy. I think it kind of goes. You're talking about how like technology's like made us like some of our senses get less. I think that's just like an old, like we're still animals on this planet. We're still like had to like run from things and fight for things. So like uh, I think it's just an old. Um, like animal instinct that still kind of like triggers in people. Yeah. And they're just like, what the heck is that? Yeah, it still yeah. exists. Yeah. 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 Still, still in our little like said, monkey why, brains. Why fire seems to mesmerize everybody while, why people generally yeah. seem to have a fear of the dark, you know, all these things. Predators mm-hmm. come out at night. Fire is safe. Who's, who's ever jumped over a bonfire? <laughs> yeah. I, I have yeah, not. Bonfires on the beaches when I was a kid, and we would run and jump over them. Yeah. You know, that's mm-hmm. a primal thing. And it's so. stupidity at the, at, the, at the worst, you know, to jump over mm-hmm. a fire. Sure. Now, now that you have a camera, people can catch that. But back in the day, no one knew about it because no one would film it. Sure. But, but you're right. You know, and then it, it's really sad, too, um, that I read a study just the other day. I forget what university came out of, but this says that – the newer, the newer generations, the younger generations, the IQ seems to be dropping a little. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think, and it's not that people can be smart and have a low IQ. Listen, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, IQ in particular. And I seem to think it because we're becoming too dependent on technology. For mm-hmm. back in the day, we used to go to the library and we would look up stuff in books and we would read. It's now a we process. say, hey, Alexa. Hey Google, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and we're becoming very, you know, if you ever watch Wally, right, the Disney mm-hmm. yep. movie, you know, where they're all just big, fat people sitting Floating there. And chairs. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's how we're headed, mm-hmm. especially here in the U.S. You know, you know, we have like one of the heaviest populations in the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's crazy. It's true, though. But it's I've been Googling stuff you've been saying. I've been like, oh, it's interesting. And I'll, like, Google it off to the side and, like, save it so I can look it up later. <laughs> like, oh, I'm doing the same thing. 
but you know, that was funny too, because I because I've learned that from lecturing. You know, I got to get all my my eggs in a row when I lecture, or ducks in a row, if you want. To call it. Um, yeah, um, while I was lecturing, somebody was in the audience actually checking me to see if mm-hmm. I was saying was correct. And then mm-hmm. when it came time for uh, for you know answering, he says, "You know, when you said that da 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 and da 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 was in the early '30s and '40s, I didn't believe it, but yeah, sure enough, it was." I looked it up, and I'm going. Oh no! <laughs> I Instant be, access. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I better be really careful. So that's why I always do PowerPoint presentations because I leave all the data on my PowerPoint, right? And mm-hmm. make it easy for people, and even on my website. So anytime uh, any one of my my uh, posts on ufonut.com, um, any information I get, I always have the link there, and the links are at the bottom. Unless it's really important, I'll put the link right where I try. I try not to put the link right in the middle of the blog because people might link to it and not come back to the blog. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make them read the whole blog first. Some people now, um, like when I released uh, um, the analysis of that piece of metal, saying it's aluminum alloy, not registered. Mm-hmm. And it's in the blog. It's a press release. Da da da. I got this, I got this uh, this thing on Facebook. A guy messaged me. And goes, well. Uh, not that I don't believe you, but can you send me the the lab, you know, uh, elements of the lab report? You know, um, and I'm like, well, if you read my blog, they're listed in the blog, the actual yeah. sheet which I took of it. In other words, you're too damn lazy even to read the blog. Right. You got mm-hmm. as far as the title and maybe the first paragraph, and then you ended it and you made all your assumptions. And that's what we're seeing right now with a lot of things. Sure. People are jumping to conclusions. Without actually, what well, we've always jumped to conclusions, but nowadays without actually knowing what's going on, people are assessing, you know, oh, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you can't do that, you know. And so, like you guys said, when you look at the paranormal, everything is connected. But it took me 35 years to figure that out. Well, 30 years, last five years, you know, I've, I've been figuring out more and more that that there's all connection. And we're all, con- you know, it's all things are kind of connected. Mm-hmm. The one thing I see a connection is electromagnetic fields is energy, but you know, but I'm sure there's other connections I haven't found yet. Of course, Brandon you- said in like previous episodes that if if the ghost hunters and the UFO hunters and the Bigfoot hunters if they all just like decided to come together, they'd probably solve it all. But they're all <laughs> still kind of like separated, mm-hmm. so they'll never they'll never figure it out. Well, that was that was one of the things we were trying to handle with uh, Alien Highway. Is you know uh, one of the people on my team was was a ghost hunter, but um, that's what I wanted. That's what I was actually pitching a couple of years ago. Was a team that you know you had a cryptozoologist, just there, you had a psychic, yeah. you know because because you know I'm not knocking psychics because I've seen yeah, I've oh, seen yeah. people that that can call it, but then mm-hmm. I, I then I've also seen people. Who say they can call it that they don't? Like at the Comic Con, you know, um, you know, I mentioned briefly there was a psychic there, and psychic for the stars or whatever she was. And I briefly mentioned that, and I was setting her up. And I briefly mentioned that, yeah, my father, my grandfather, and I were really close. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, uh, and every now and then I think of him. She goes, "Well, I can see him. He's he's behind you. He's he's behind you. He stays." And I'm like, "I've never met my grandfather. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, he died." before my my mom even married my dad you know so mm-hmm. i mean he didn't even know we even existed right you know yeah. so you get people like that you know that, right but there's the other people that just kind of scare you like 
you know, that the two Native American elders that I was talking to, their spiritualists are the ones that told me about the aliens, about, you know, the grays, I mean, the blues and, and the stuff. Each one of them, when they went, and I met them a couple of different years apart, one Apache, one Navajo. And it scares me because they walked up to me and I'd be like just watching and we're lecturing all together somewhere. And it's almost like they just kind of look and kind of walk over to me. I'm just like in a crowd just watching them. You know, it's not like I'm asking, hey, come here. Mm-hmm. And they go, you're different. And what do you mean? He goes, I don't know something about you, but I have to meet you because there's something about you. And I'm going, okay, well, that was the first one. And that was right. uh, a Wolf who was, uh, you know, she was uh, Apache. And then the next one, I forgot her name was Navajo. I mean, mm-hmm. she was from Navajo. Mm-hmm. She's the same damn thing. And it was a couple of years later. That's wild. And I'm like, what in the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like you definitely... They didn't know who I was, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I knew who they you were. Had the right, you had the right frequency, the right vibe. So that's what I'm thinking. Maybe, maybe I just have that right frequency for that that people can pick up on. In some cases, mm-hmm. other, other, you know, not. But you know, like mm-hmm. I said, we all have that frequency, which goes back to abductees now. So remember, originally, people were saying that you know the implants had to do with track, being able to track you and find mm-hmm. you. And I never bought into that because when I was talk, talking to Dr. Lear, the other one, L-E-A-R, mm-hmm. who is the psychiatrist who's taking out, when he would take a, sometimes when he would take a, a implant out in his office, um, some of his machines would go wacky. Yeah. You know, the instruments, you know, they, they would do weird things and light to flicker and shit. So I knew it was an energy source and, and as an energy source, I'm figuring it's collecting data. And so I always figured that's what it's there for, just kind of collecting data on what the the body's doing and what it, sure. you know, whatever, you know, and that's a, that's what we do with bears pretty much, or, you know, we'll mm-hmm. put devices on them and stuff. And, and then it wasn't until later on, I started realizing more about frequencies and our bodies and stuff that, so you guys have probably, you know, I know you've played with flare devices. Mm-hmm. So, so you can take a flare device and, and I'm not quite sure cause I've never played with a military one, but if you want to look for a specific temperature, Mm-hmm. Depending on the flare, you can dial that temperature in and you say, I want to look for something at 103 degrees or well, yeah. 100, 101. Only that will light up, correct? Mm-hmm. Pretty and much. So, yep. so be pretty much if someone was uh, in a in a military helicopter and, and, if, and if they wanted to abduct or they wanted to steal a cow mutilated, maybe they were looking for a cow that was sick. It'd be really easy to flash a flare down, look at all the animals, the one that lit up was the one they had set at 101 degrees or 95, whatever cow's temperatures are. Mm-hmm. In other words, the one that's sick, they be able to find real mm-hmm. simple, single that one out, take it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Same thing with aliens. So if we're all separate frequencies, they can have the technology that if, if they, if they abduct you one time that they've captured your frequency, they have your frequency. Now it's downloaded. It's saved. Anytime they want to find you, they just look for you. And and out of the million, million find people, your they radio station. Red dot walking around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me, I'd be walking around in circles, but you know, they're, <laughs> you know they're, they go, oh, okay, we know where you are. You know, come get you. It's just technology. It's it's not anything else. We do give off a frequency. Once we figure out how we can, you know, identify the frequencies, um, I'm sure the NSA can use it to track people born. <laughs> yeah, the born guy they could probably. Oh, yeah. The military's used the military used, uh, the military used uh, frequencies off like phones and other electromagnets to 3D scan like oh, yeah. rooms mm-hmm. and like yeah. homes yeah. and stuff. And they actually used that when we went to 
go capture slash kill Osama bin Laden, they had the whole scan of like that facility because of the devices that were in there and pinging them off other things. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and I That's... use and I use that example as we're human, mm-hmm. that we're not perfect, because people, because I've got a lot of people tell me, oh, it's the military doing the animal mutilations. Really, because we've had over ten thousand cases here. And out of the 10,000 cases that were investigated by law enforcement, there's been no evidence of human or predator Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on an actual scope. You think one time a human would screw up and leave evidence since 19, what are we looking at, 67, 68, whatever, when, you know, Snippy the horse was 67, Mm -hmm. I think. And I said, example, you know, what was a SEAL Team 6 went after bin Laden, crashed a helicopter in the compound. Mm -hmm. That's yep. a shitload of evidence. Yeah. So here's the best of the best that we have. The best technology, which was a stealth helicopter mm-hmm. that most people mm-hmm. didn't know we had. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't exist. It still doesn't exist. <laughs> but yet technology, you know, uh, didn't work right as, as technology is, because I know that technology doesn't mm-hmm. work right. Sure. Because we're constantly fixing it. And so this was a big event for us. And we stand, you know, our guys are good enough that we still accomplished the mission. We had backup, everything, because you know, everything's worked out. But yeah. yeah, man, we left a shitload of evidence. So you think since 1967, out of all the mutilation cases, there would have been one footprint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One, one car tire print. Right. Something. Right. Something. But it's zero. Yeah. And that's what's scary. Have and, you ever come to any sort of conclusion in what you've done as to why this happens? You know, when I first started researching it, um, I learned that during World War II that our military was looking at bovine hemoglobin to use as trans, you know, uh, for, for blood transfusions, blood transfusions. on okay. the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Because bovine hemoglobin mm-hmm. um, is uh, very compatible with human blood. It doesn't need to be refrigerated. I read an article somewhere. I can't find it now. But um, because it's been a few years ago when I was reading, you know, all this up, trying to figure it out myself, I think during Vietnam, the Vietnamese might have actually used bovine hemoglobin because they didn't have a Red Cross. Mm -hmm. We had a Red Cross. Now, you can research this, that when we first started doing in in vitro fertilization, right, on women, Mm -hmm. um, they were they were testing bovine hemoglobin to incubate, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, the egg. Mm-hmm. And then the medical industry stepped in and says, no, no, you're not going to use cow blood to make humans. So don't do that until we perfect a system where you can use human, mm-hmm. you know, hemoglobin. But you can look it up. Both They were getting really, really good results with bovine hemoglobin. Mm-hmm. So that tells us that bovine hemoglobin is very compatible to humans. So if you wanted to make an alien hybrid from a human, you would use bovine hemoglobin. Now, what about okay. horses and, and dogs? and rabbits and hogs and that are getting mutilated too. So now is the blood being used also as consumption? That was another thing. That's what they were saying was That's happening creepy. in Gulfing. They were saying that the blood was being used, the aliens were consuming the blood um, via osmosis. Is that correct? Sucking it up through their skin. Yeah, osmosis mm-hmm. is water passing through the cellular wall barrier. Yeah. So, so they would kind of like bathe in it. That's that was the whole Dulcie Papers thing, Jeez, you yeah. know. That they would. That's how they they would because because when I was, originally when I was talking to um, Glenn 
Dennis, who's a mortician. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I got involved in Roswell. Mm-hmm. Is I, I started researching it, investigating, it, and then I would go to the museum where Glenn Dennis so and you, Walter Hart, original guys. Yeah. And then they got to know me over the years, and finally Glenn Dennis gave me the GPS coordinates to the BLM marker right near the debris site. So that's how I found it. I didn't find it. PVC pipe. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's old metal. Okay. It's, it's a metal pipe with a metal um, emblem on the top. This hmm. is BLM. I mean, we're talking 40s stuff. Right, right. And um, and when he was talking about his nurse friend that was in the autopsy room, one thing she would she had told him that you know they didn't have internal organs like ours. Mm-hmm. From what she could see, she didn't recognize. You know, not that they don't. It's just that she mm-hmm. didn't see mm-hmm. him and she didn't recognize him. Maybe she didn't see it all. So that kind of falls into the place. Well, how do we eat? Mm-hmm. You know, how how do they eat? Or you know, do they even need and then, to? So when you hear the stories of Dulce with them soaking in vats of blood, and then you hear about the cattle, and the one dominating factor is the blood. Mm-hmm. And you think, okay, but then we were using blood for you know in vitro fertilization. They could be using blood for you know Got hybrids. You. Yeah, uh, it's still as creepy and terrifying as that is. I mean that sounds logical to me on the surface you know that's that's pretty wild they perfected the process so much that there's not a drop spilt well i mean it's it's technology right i mean mm-hmm. we're getting that way you, you know yeah, remember true. remember the star trek movies when uh was a checkoff you know fell and hit his head off of uh, the enterprise mm-hmm. right and then a dr mccoy comes in and oh my god they're drilling in his head so mm-hmm. medieval you know to release the pressure yeah and that's exactly what it is. I mean, you know, uh, they still drill people in people's heads, but do, yeah. so yeah. eventually you, you won't have to, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's just technology. And it's just because it, it, we don't understand it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just means we don't understand it. Yeah. Because if, we're not there yet. If I, I still can't understand how a cell phone works. And, and, and I designed the chips for them and I can't. It's pretty incredible technology, especially when you consider how far it's come along just in 20 years, you know, what cell phones used to look like 25 years ago versus what it is now. It's a, it's a, we're basically cyborgs. Our computer pieces are just, you know, not attached yet. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, but basically we are transistors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The human body is a transistor. Yeah. It's a capacitor and our nerves work off impulses and, and we give off, like I said, I don't know how many volts. And, mm-hmm. and we can store 70,000 volts in our body just by rubbing our feet on the carpet and shocking our, you know, yeah. our little sister or our little brother or whatever. My dad used to be you really good at that. volts from that shock, yeah. yeah. Not average, not current, but volts. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, it was interesting because, you know, uh, we were in, Florida, this last week, my wife and I, we flew back late on, on Sunday with Universal Studios and stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. But um, so we're flying back, and I'm sitting in the airplane. I'm going, we're going 400 miles an hour, 30,000 feet. And I'm going, technology, that is so scary. Mm-hmm. And then, so what tube. happened? We get back. Did you read what happened yesterday? What was the Alaskan mm. air pilot? Oh yeah, he tried to um, turn on the like emergency fire suppression system, right? Yeah, which would have killed the it, engines. Yeah. yeah, which is shut down the fuel to the engines. Yeah, that's wild. Thank God they stopped board, it. You would have killed them all. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, then, then I got thinking, and, and there's a joke about that too, because not about that, mm-hmm. but about comedian says, you know, I'm not worried about my time to go. I'm worried about the pilot's time to go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. and then we still had that one aircraft. 
where it was a couple hundred people went missing, they seemed to think the pilot committed suicide. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and that, they still haven't found they still that haven't found so yet. bad. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but technology, I mean, now they're talking about AI and, mm-hmm. and how that's gonna F up everything out there and it's already starting to F up things, you know, pretty much for us too. Especially with depending. news. Yeah, especially yeah well, depending on who you listen to but uh, for sure yeah it kind of messes things up also but it's, it's also funny too because i'm not going to go into it but but ai kind of tells it the way it is mm-hmm. with no emotions it's true mm-hmm. and that's and, and and it's affecting a lot of people what do you mean mm-hmm. what ai don't care nope. ai just this is what it is and, this, and that's why you know as a former cop with these places like minnesota and portland and seattle are defunding their police I'm going, good, see what happens. Because mm-hmm. you're going to defund your place and crime's going to go up. Guess what's happening now? Crime's gone up on all those places. Mm-hmm. They're starting to change the tune there. But then again, too, I'm, going, I, I'm just waiting for that one city to delete all their police force mm-hmm. and then hire a private security like we had during you know, Saddam mm-hmm. period, right? And right. anyway, well, Blackwater, right? Right. So let's hire Blackwater. Well, Blackwater answers to their CEO. They don't answer to the mayor. Yeah. They don't answer to the governor. And they're going to just kick your butt right there on the street. And they don't care. You know? And you can say, well, we, we've talked about this before. Yeah. We're shot. Like large military, uh, private militaries were like, mm-hmm. Amazon is attacking Google <laughs> with their like military or whatever. Yeah. Sabotaging. Software wise. Yeah. They're, they're actually doing it that way. You know, they're mm-hmm. attacking each other via, uh, in, uh yeah. using their software. It's going to be interesting if Musk gets involved, because I think they're all going to lose when Musk gets involved. Yeah. He's a pretty smart guy, kind of stupid when it comes to, you know, personality, but you know, yeah, but he's, I think he's on the spectrum. I've been watching, but we see it happen right now. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, with with uh, you know the cities, and, and then uh, and even I read a report a while ago about you know uh, how easy AI is to be able to hack. Right. You know, once it once it once it figures it out, mm-hmm. then it just accelerate that. If it decides to go off on its own, you know, and sure, I know what it, what it can achieve other than this self awareness or something. I think it's I think it's funny when you have those like captchas that say like oh press the like find the stoplights. It's like mm-hmm. okay, this is. This is a this is a robot determining if I'm a human, like mm-hmm. to make sure I'm not a robot. So it's like a robot checking a robot. Like yeah, you're you're teaching <laughs> it to recognize what that stop sign looks like or what yeah. a bicycle looks like yeah. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. What the aliens think? I mean, you know, some people seem to think the Greys are just like uh, you know they're little worker bees mm-hmm. and they just do whatever they're told. I don't think that's true. I think, you know, based on what Travis Walton said, it seems like they have a mind of their own and mm-hmm. and maybe their own personalities and stuff. So they're not as, you know, they're not as worker bee as, as we think they are. Um, but I always, you know, wonder what, you know, what they perceive us at. And I wrote a blog about that one time years ago called, you know, to think like an alien, you have to be an alien. Mm-hmm. You really can't think like an alien. You know, and people, because they always ask me, well, why don't they just land on the White House lawn? And why don't they yeah. just do that? Why don't they do that? I'm going, I'm not an alien. I can't tell you. Yeah. You know, I can't tell you how an alien thinks. You know, they have their own agenda. They're doing their own thing. If you happen to be flying by in a fighter jet while they're going, they might screw with you a bit to see what you can do, mm-hmm. see what the technology is, maybe have some fun. Maybe they have, maybe they have some humor. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> oh, who knows? Maybe yeah. they're laughing. 
Hey, did you see that guy trying to spiral down to get me and I just blew him off? Right. You know? Right. <laughs> you know, or, or something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it would be kind of funny if they turned out to be like Paul from the movie Paul. Yeah. Where, where they just had that, that whole personality and they just been an effort for yeah. generations and generations. It was, it was a giant interactive zoo that they just like they just get admission to. <laughs> but, but we are a very, very, very unique planet, which which we have to really consider because, you know, 70% of the, of the Earth's surface is covered with water. Mm-hmm. Well, now it turns out that there's more water underground than there is on the surface. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what does that mean now? Does that mean that there's really only 20% of the Earth is Earth? I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to figure out, give me the exact numbers that tell me, you know, the continents are all floating. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not like, you know, solid all the ground. That's why we have continental drifts and earthquakes and everything else. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that, that they're floating out there. But uh, that just came out in, in the news last couple of months that they found it's called, um, I don't know, a, uh, like a sponge type of soil or something. But hmm. it's a lot of water, and they're estimating that there's more water underground now than we have in, in all the oceans on, on, on water on the Earth. That's crazy. So we're going, okay, which makes sense. I mean, going back to that hydrogen theory, that you don't even need to be in the water. We go underground and get as much water as you want. If your fuel is hydrogen, mm-hmm. easy to get. So to go back to my theory, one one more notch for me. Right. <laughs> if I could ask you one more question before you know you we gotta get off here. What sure. would what would you say is probably the most baffling case that you've ever investigated? Baffling case. Well, I guess I guess Or maybe the most like intense, maybe something that scared you. If anything has. Well, I mean, the the first chapter of, mm-hmm. of the par- of the thirty seventh parallel was pretty scary. It is. Um, ben Ben really couldn't. I read it, and I and it was scarier than that. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, you know we were out in, out in the middle of nowhere, and you know we were vulnerable, and something was going right. on. That would be but pretty then scary. Again too, then we had the case, um, you know, 2016, July 3rd, mm-hmm. where this this guy's watching us. It could be part of whatever, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think, to be honest, I, the scariest thing, the scariest investigation really wasn't anything paranormal so far. What it was, was I was out in the Branza Anga, Branza Anga, I can't remember exactly, Branza something desert mm-hmm. um, in California before I moved out here and I was doing an investigation out there and it was pitch black and, you know, you can't really carry guns in California, but I was pitch black out there and I'm walking around and I'm in one area and I'm, I'm and I'm just checking out the area and looking at the stars and supposedly where there had been UFO sightings. And I kind of heard something and I turned on my flashlight and I was surrounded by a pack of coyotes. Oh, yes. And they came right up on me. I never heard them. I, remember I mean, this. I heard a little bit, mm-hmm. but then, I realized it, it wasn't just four or five. It was a shitload, and they surrounded me. Jeez. And uh, that scared the shit out of me because I go, like, oh, okay, yeah. this, is, this is not a paranormal. This is a real danger here. Mm-hmm. And I had, you know, I had one of those four-cell flashlights, you know, the big heavy ones. Mm-hmm. And, you did the uh, right thing charging them and all that. Oh, you heard about it? It's in, it's in, the, it's in, your, it's in the book. Oh, it's in the book? I forget. Mm-hmm. No, okay, it's okay, so yeah. Well, that scared the hell out of me. I mm-hmm. forget what. No, it's okay. You know, 
But it's, you know, because I, I just started yelling and screaming and headed towards my, my vehicle, running towards mm-hmm. it. And it was a little ways away, but, you know, um, I always remember that. And because of that, I won't go anywhere now without, oh, blame um, you. you know, yeah, without, you know, a good flashlight and, and something to back it up, you know. Just done. just the other day for me, where I live, they just harvested all the corn. And I go run almost every day. And I run by this field. And I'm just running. And there's all this, like, vegetation they planted along, like, the, the sidewalk. And maybe 10 feet in front of me as I'm just jogging, I see a coyote just, like, jog out from the vegetation back in, like, heading back toward the cornfield. And I was like, holy shit. And just immediately cut and cross the street because... Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. You know, coyotes, coyotes could be a rabbit. Who knows what he could think? But yeah, that, that was, uh, that freaked me out. He didn't do anything. He probably, I probably scared him and he just went off the other direction was probably in the freshly harvested field looking for mice, you know, or whatever, something. And, but yeah, that, that's the first time I'd seen like a coyote like that up close in the wild, like, you know, without a barrier between me and him, you know what I mean? And he's um, probably that, like, man, this human just ran up on me. I don't know this human. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I seemed like I scared him cause he kind of like ducked his head down and like trotted off pretty quickly off into the field. You know what I mean? Maybe he was napping under the, the bush or something. Who knows? But mm-hmm. yeah, you, know, no, that, you learn, you learn mm-hmm. as you get older. If, if I knew then what I know now living out in Colorado, when I was in California, we were in Yosemite, mm-hmm. me and my two sons when they were small, my, my wife's carrying my daughter and we're going through these trails and you saw and and we come up on a trail and just not too far away was a mama bear and two cubs. Mm, and I stood there with my boys going, look at that. Isn't that cute? Mama bear and two cubs. My right. wife was gone. Yeah. She was gone. She took off running, you know? Yeah. And I look back at that going, what an idiot I was. Well, it's like those people you, know? you see them at like Glacier National Park or wherever and they walk up to those bison and they try and take a selfie with them. And it's like, that thing would run you over without thinking twice about it. And they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have. Happens to all the time, right yeah. 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 Well, nope. you have to think about the same thing with aliens, too. I mean, if you actually see I, – I mean, I can tell you right now, you know, I know what I think I, I'm going to do if I ever see an alien. Oh, and I think that? I know how I'm going to act. But you never know until that exact moment. Okay. I have a good friend, uh, Joe Fix. Mm-hmm. who was a, a Bigfoot investigator. And years and years ago, he tried to get me to go to, to Tennessee in the Appalachians. Uh, he was investigating a Bigfoot sighting up there. A lady uh, lived in a cabin where Bigfoot had been visiting her, her dad and family for years. And so uh, she had enough evidence and she could bring them out. Anyway, we're going to go. Well, at the time I was contracting for, I forget who it was, and I couldn't leave. Um, might have been Intel. But um, so he went by himself. Well, and with with another guy, kid. Anyway, um, he faced what he investigated. You know, he was on a he was on a trail, and and sure enough, one walked right up to him behind a, like behind a brush, but and but above him, and he could see him, and he just kind of stared down at him. You know, he's kind of looking at him. Jeez. And but it wasn't it wasn't like he was mean. He was just looking at him. Yeah. And uh, and then he kind of got this feeling that 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 he could almost hear a conversation, but not. You know, like maybe there might be something going on, um, but it, it, that's it. It wiped him out. You know, it, you know, for three years after, four years after that, he was he, he was off the lecture, you know, circuit. You know, I had to bail him out of jail once. I we had to pay his rent, his car. I mean, it it wow. totally screwed him up, messed him up. That's he's wild. really he's better now. It's been a few years You're now. Chasing him forever when he finally came face to face, it just yeah blew his mind. And so, and that's always a thought, you know, for me as an investigator. 
I know. Oh yeah, this is what I'm gonna do. Say, hey, how you doing? You know, you know, uh, <laughs> give him the old Spock thing, yeah. right? And, and uh, or whatever, or give him the the Paul one. But um, <laughs> yeah, but but you go. This is what I'm gonna do. But you have no idea. You know, I could right. you know, I could run away like I'm three years old, screaming with my hair on fire. I don't know. Yeah. But you never know. But but I looked at I looked back at that bear incident. I'm going. That was the wrong thing to do. Was just stand there. Mm-hmm. I'm going. You know, especially with two little kids. You know, this thing to do is just, well. My wife did. She you know got out of there. Leave the area. Yeah. yeah, she claimed is because she had peanut butter and jelly, um, you know, sandwiches in the backpack. I mean, I give her more. It's pretty that. scary. Whether you got, because you could be the food. They don't need that PBJ, you know? No, no. They, they, and that's the other thing, too. You know, we hear stories about, you know, um, Bigfoot being carnivorous or being, uh, not carnivorous, but, well, they are Yeah. Well, well, they are uh, an omnivore because, mm-hmm. because um, there have been sightings of them carrying off dead deer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so they, they appear to be omnivores. But um, I was thinking more like omnivores for humans, mm-hmm. you know, coming after humans. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm sure you've, you guys have been doing this for a bit. You, I don't know if you talk to anybody about uh, the amount of uh, missing people every year in the U.S. We've we've had an episode on yep. even like missing four one one, David Pilates. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. and it's and it's you know, of course, a lot of them have to do with runaways. A lot of them have to do with people just wandering off. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them go missing. Very in unexplained. Park. Yeah. And and very unexplained. Yeah, you'll find yeah. remnants of their existence in places that have already been searched and things that don't make sense, unopened or uneaten lunches and shoes and hats, you know, just all kinds of weird things that don't make any sense. Well, Somebody's probably, backpack probably laid up against the tree. Yeah. And, and and there's one that in the um the crazy mountains in uh Montana where that person they found his belongings within eyeshot of a house. And it's like wow. if you're really lost out in the woods you know, in the mountains of Montana and you find a house, it doesn't matter whose it is. You're going to go towards that house. And they did, they found his, I want to say it was a backpack and um, there was a cup, like a, like a camping cup and um, maybe a rain jacket. I'd have to look uh, the story up again, but it was all within shot. eye shot of this house. And, no, oh, I know what a, that is. Yeah. That's Bigfoot doing that. Yeah, and, and the reason why, because that's happened out here a couple of times. Oh, now, matter of fact, we were going to do an investigation last year where a guy had his ATV out in the woods north of Denver, uh, above I seventy, and um, they have a cabin out there, and, and he was messing around on his ATV away from the cabin, and uh, pretty far away from the cabin, and he hit a log, flipped over, and and uh, you know got knocked out and broke his ankle and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he got up and, and, and he was limping a little bit and then he passed out. Well, he woke up at the doorstep of someone's house. Something had placed him. And it wasn't his, it was a neighboring house, but you know, it was the closest house to where he was. Mm-hmm. And something had picked him up and carried him over and, and then mm-hmm. put him in front of the door, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then he woke up and, and he had cell coverage. Yeah. <laughs> so his, the people weren't home, unfortunately. But whoever did it, and he and they and they've had some Bigfoot sightings out there in the past. Mm-hmm. So he's thinking that you know that Bigfoot had picked him up, and maybe Bigfoot had grabbed the the belongings and took put it close to a house where people could see the belongings of the guy. I mean, that's yeah. another story we've heard out here too. Yeah, that's kind but of I'm one of the to... my my running theories too. With like you know, it, it's smart enough to know that 
all these people in a sweeping search pattern are looking for something. And if you're that creature that took that person, you wait for the people to vacate the area they were just in, and then you leave the belongings behind, maybe because you don't understand exactly what's going on, you know, but you're doing that. And there's, you know, there's also some other ones where they don't really work out very well for the people. They find their body parts up in trees and stuff like that. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was doing a Bigfoot investigation in Bailey and I had a a search and rescue tracker up there in Bailey helping me. Mm -hmm. And he was telling me one of the stories where when they were out there uh, just doing search and rescue practice Mm -hmm. that uh, they came across a tent Mm -hmm. and, and a tent, the, the front door of the tent, everything was fine. And, the igloo was there and, and all the utensils and everything, whatever. It, it's, nothing touched the front of the tent. And as they went around the back, something, the people inside the tent had taken a knife and cut the back door on the, fat, on the tent <laughs> and blew out of the back of the Jeez. tent. Jeez. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but, you know, but they made their own back door. could have been somebody from Denver. and They never, they never found any bodies or anything. But, but and they then, cut their way out. They cut their way out of the tent. Wow. And then my my wife told me there was a person that was working with them that they went out elk hunting out there by San Luis Obispo. Well, not mm-hmm. that Obispo, uh, San Luis Valley in the mountains. And um, and they were elk hunting and they were in a tent. And it, it's just like um, Terminator. It was the three red dots that were kind of moving and they saw it inside their tent. So it came like through a stream in the tent. Yeah, it was like a predator, exactly. And that's what they were seeing. Now, both these guys had guns big enough to take down an elk. Mm-hmm. But that scared the shit out of them. Jeez. And they hunkered down with their guns loaded in that tent, and they blew out the next morning. They broke camp and left. <laughs> yeah, jeez. That scared them. Yeah, yeah. that scared them. Now, now, maybe someone was just screwing with them, but, yeah. you know, they're in the middle of nowhere. But, you know, right. you know, mm-hmm. you never Can't know. Can't be too, yeah. with people too. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Maybe that's almost just as scary. So, well, Chuck, yeah. thank thank you so much for coming on with this. Honestly, for me, um, I've wanted to talk to you for a long time. So, it really, this means a lot, and I appreciate you coming on. It was amazing to talk to you um, and listen to you. I could do this for a couple hours just listening to you tell me stories. Honestly, um, you know. So, but again, thank you so much for coming on with us. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, just tell everybody where they can find you. That way, um, you know. People can look you up and see what you, what else you guys got going on out okay, there. Well, I won't give you my address. But no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Darn. Darn. Actually, somebody found me on one of the TV shows I was on. Uh, they they use Google Maps and and they found that it uh, just from one screenshot of the front of the house. Jeez. Yeah. So I had I had a stalker there for a little bit. Oh, well, um, I promise not okay. to stalk you. No, it was okay. She was a nice. She she was uh-huh. a nice person. He, he just told me how you know how easy it is and how smart people are. Mm. Um, yeah. So basically, it's ufonut.com, not ufonet, ufonut, like <laughs> like a nut. dot com, and you can find that anywhere. It's easier than trying to look up Chuck Zukowski because you'll never remember Zukowski. So just remember <laughs> that ufonut guy, you know, was on the show the other day, and, and you'll find me. Gotcha. And then once you get to my website, the top of the website it says email me. It goes right directly to me. And then, excuse me, I, you know, then I'll just answer emails. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not really funded to go across the U.S. to do any investigations. So, but I can help with you as much as I can. 
Absolutely. <laughs> well, I, I've been on your website. There's a lot of really um, cool stuff. I haven't been all the way through your website, but there, everything, all your links to YouTube's and all that stuff is on there. So if anybody has an interest listening, um, you know, definitely go check out Chuck's website and um, just you can find random stuff about you on on YouTube and Reddit forums and stuff yeah, like it's that. Yeah, all anyway, free. So, so I don't yeah. I don't charge. There's no advertisements on my website. I know YouTube probably throws an advertisement in just to make yeah, money. They do that. Some of the, but, mm-hmm. but I don't charge anything, you know. And like I said, any evidence I find, I put it out there. It's for the it's for the reader to make your own assumptions. You know, I give you exactly what I found. You know elements from the metal mm-hmm. evidence I found from metal mutilations and stuff. And, and you kind of determine for yourself, what do you think, you know, is this happening? You don't have to take my word for it because I, I don't like know that. everything either. I learned every time I do an investigation, I learn something new. Yeah. But thank well, you guys. I pretty, really appreciate it. I like podcasts like this where you can just talk about everything. It's, it's nice. Me too. Like I'm, I said, I, I could, I would totally have you on for a part two and just listen to you tell me more stuff. Cause this is infinitely interesting to me. So, well, you know, 35 years, there's a lot of shit going on in my head. So sorry about that. Dopey. It was awesome. <laughs> thank you. Well, guys, uh, thank, thank you, you again guys. for listening. And um, you know, if you find value in what we do, please go check us out on YouTube, Spotify, Google, or Apple Podcasts. Um, give us a like, subscribe, drop by and say hi on Instagram or Facebook. And um, yeah, you guys have a good night. Thank you. Good night, guys. What's going on, Fire fans? I Came With Fire podcast is sponsored by Red Clover Coffee and Sheep's Clothing, LLC. Red Clover Coffee is a veteran-owned company with small batch roasted coffees, and they just happen to donate to some pretty awesome charities. Whether you're into specialty flavored coffees, single-source coffees, or having a really cool coffee mug and some badass slaps, Red Clover has you covered. You can order ground, whole bean, or even coffee pods and get it all at 10% off your entire purchase using coupon code CAMEWITHFIRE. Again, that's 10% off your entire purchase using our coupon code CAMEWITHFIRE. I personally love their Blueberry Invasion and African Roast. That Blueberry Invasion hits the spot. Head over and get yourself some awesome coffee and support us by supporting our sponsor. I Came With Fire podcast is also sponsored by Sheep's Clothing, LLC. Sheep's Clothing, LLC is a unifying banner for all violent arts, disciplines, professions, and survivors of violent circumstances. Redefine violence. Both Zach and I being survivors of violent circumstances and LEOs in the military, we are especially excited to be able to offer you 10% off your entire purchase with coupon code FIRE10 at checkout. Whether you're looking for an awesome t-shirt, hats, slaps, flags, or MMA gear, they've got you covered. Me personally, I love my snapback with the leather patch surrounded by God's flannel. If you know, you know. That's coupon code FIRE10. F-I-R-E-1-0 at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase. Thank you all so much for supporting this podcast. And if you should feel compelled, treat yourself by supporting our sponsors as well. They truly make a difference for us. Now let's make a difference for them. See you on the next show.